But Gareth built it up on the Joko Bashi show. So here he is. 2005. Gareth McGuinness. <laughs> That's fucking brilliant, you know, Gareth. That's my Shinoda stuff. I don't think you pass that. Fucking brilliant, you know. I said, I used to spend fucking hours twisting those bits of uh, twisting you those do. into those into those into those spikes, uh, getting a uh, good good hour before a night out, getting those uh, getting those proper. It's why I've got no fucking hair now. <laughs> That's a shout out, that. Gareth was in music. <laughs> oh. We were asking you this in our uh, private. It's incredible. Far as like what, what what hairdressers you used to go to, you know, proper salons, voodoo and stuff like that, in it. I thought you'd be a Tony and Guy kind of man, but you know, nah. voodoo was no, voodoo was the big one. That was the like that yeah. was the mania where that was like Gerard and that went there and Alex Curran and all that, didn't he? <laughs> and, and Gareth Hodgson. Yeah, there you go. The big, the big, the big players. Gareth, <laughs> Gareth. <laughs> and there is your pre-show. Oh, mate, that is Amazing. fucking brilliant. That's good for you, Gareth. Can I ask a question though? Did you ever think about getting the die out for any blonde, any you know, any more? Oh, I, 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 I think eventually that that had a bit of blonde in it. I was, I think I said that on the show, didn't I? But like, yeah. yeah. Oh, and I was, I've always like. Back in the day, it was always like colour in the air, like long hair, or like I was always, yeah. every time someone used to see us, it was like you had a different fucking hairstyle every time. Like, so, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a bit, it's a bit uh, Shawn Michaels esque that I've ended up with fucking <laughs> mouth. <laughs> always the way, lad. It's a look, though. Nigel saw you and thought, ah, that's what I want. Just bleach blonde. <laughs> look at that neck, it's enormous. <laughs> Where are you in that photo? What's the story? Well, you you played prop, didn't you? Yeah, I was a second. Yeah. I was a second row. I, was, I, I don't know when this was. It wasn't two thousand and five. I think this was maybe like oh three. So like, so Nigel got his inspiration maybe from me, but you never know. You fancy you, was Brilliant. Well, there's only me to go, I suppose, and I'm really, I'm sorry to say, you'll get a cop out, emo yeah, Benham. You'll get a cop out here. I've been, yeah. I have turned this room upside down. <laughs> Genuinely, I'm just that among mess right now. I've gone through every cupboard. I knew I had it because when you said keyring, Matty, I knew yeah. I had the keyring from that period, and I've seen it recently. I'm gonna I said to JP before we started, I'm gonna open a drawer in about two weeks, and it's gonna be in there. Yeah. I'm gonna be fuming yeah. about it. But when I do, I promise I'll reveal it on here. But like, it's not now that I'm ashamed of the hair. It was then. I used to I used to post on Wu Tang forums, uh, as you as well know. And we had like a, a meetup coming up, and I realized like I can't go to the meetup like yeah. looking like emo Benno. So I decided to go like, <laughs> just go you know fuck it. I'm getting rid of the entire thing, and I turned up to Amsterdam for the meeting of the uh, the Wu Tang Clan fan club, looking like this. There he is, young boy Benno. <laughs> <laughs> Ring of honor, you know what, Ben? That's not that bad, you know. Serious, but it's fucking great. Is it a note? The entire thing. <laughs> What's uh, that? Is it a note? It is, isn't it? No, yeah. This was yeah. two weeks after. I think what I did, to be honest, I got home and I tried to do it myself. <laughs> Failed miserably. I, I remember actually now as well, it's all coming back to me. I tried to do it myself because I was trying to go for like a two or a three with my brother's clippers ah, and I completely that. fucked it up. Went into work the next day because like I didn't have time to go to a barber's and like I went in in a hat 
I remember sitting there like we were training as well, and like ten minutes of the training, the trainer was like, "Sorry, Richard, are you gonna are you gonna take your hat off at any point?" So I was sat there in, like a shirt and tie and like a black. <laughs> black. I think I actually had my beanie on, <laughs> and I took it off, and everyone in the room just burst out laughing. And I, I, I ended up, I made up this lie that I'd been to a party at the weekend, and one of my mates had shaved me hair. And that's why it was all kind of fucked up and not like a proper haircut. That's a good and shout, though. As soon as work finished, I went straight to Barber's and got a number zero. Like, uh, there I am there as well. <laughs> <Scally> <laughs> I fucking love that, you know, Ben. On his way to Amsterdam. Yeah, <laughs> I did wear an ROH t-shirt for a Wu-Tang meetup. I have an idiot. Yeah. Oh, that's fucking brilliant, man. <laughs> Michael uh, Stipe. Michael Stipe. <laughs> <laughs> Who's age the best then? It's not me. It's definitely not me. Uh, <laughs> I don't think it's not me. <laughs> I'll have to say me then, boys, only because someone in the chat. JP, JP, JP No, that's, if that's different. He has an age that's all. Yeah, yeah. Exactly JP, JP's got a photo in his loft that looks terrible. A po- like a painting <laughs> in his loft that looks terrible on me. Fucking brilliant, you know. Welcome to Spotlight, the official podcast of Rumble. I'm Ben. And I'm JP. And we're JP back with a regular uh, edition of uh, Spotlight. So we've mm. just, as uh, some may have heard a little bit of the uh, the boisterous chat from the uh, the pre-show there. We were just uh, chatting some uh, some 2005 uh, in all our lives. As uh, this week we did do uh, Joe Kaboshi on the uh, on the Patreon page. Uh, non-patrons uh, will get to enjoy uh, in the show images to this one. You don't uh, usually look at them. Some great pictures of a young-looking JP, uh, and even I'd say even younger-looking Matty. I think Matty looks older. Um, a young-looking Gareth, um, <laughs> and, a, and a bald Scally Barrow. Um, it's been a full uh, 2005 retro week this week, mate. Uh, I was going to say what was going on in your life in 2005, but uh, anyone who's seen that picture uh, knows. <laughs> yeah, that picture That's is very that. self-explanatory of what I was up to around that period of time in my life. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, but it was great looking uh, back at those. Uh, Gareth's haircut, Gareth Gates, and then <laughs> what you did Gareth to yours. Guinness. I know you're going to get the 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 emo phase, but the um, Eminem and Eminem, if I could say it. In, oh, I was in a weird place obviously. in my life, JP. I, oh, I was yeah. 21 at the time. You haven't grown into your own skin. I feel like it was me mid to late 20s before I finally realized, okay, you're a wrestler there full time. You need to start a podcast uh, slash try to wrestle, um, which has kind of been my uh, my path through this uh, this business of ours, really. But uh, and a blog. Yeah, that's it. You don't, don't wait to realize blog. that. And the blog, and the blog as well. Yeah, blog and the columns. There, well. <laughs> cool life, mate, rap forums and, uh, and wrestling podcasts, you know? Not, not cool about my hobbies. Oh, it is. In an in a in a world where subcultures are fucking crucial, it's it's you know you are you are ahead of the curve, as, as mm. they would say. But um, no, it's fun going back looking through those photos. I mean, Gareth's night, uh, yeah, Nigel McGareth. Um, you want to think of him as that? <laughs> there you go. There's the title. An, an incredible oh. look. 
Uh, I'd say I'm, I'm, I'm slowly trying to turn Gareth into a. I'm trying to turn Gareth into like a hardcore ROH fan. Like I think I'm slowly win him, mm. win him over. I think by looking at pictures of Gareth from 2005 and his very McGuinness like look, I think that's a good way in. I think yeah, you, we could uh, maybe get him to do like a Nigel mixtape or something like that. But I can always feel it. Like whenever we do like those retro ROH podcasts, it's like I'm just kind of putting that kind of you know ear, earworm in Gareth from digging into that brain of his and trying to like. You know, just make him think, like, oh, yeah, we could do like a whole like 2005 uh, retrospective ROH podcast also at some point. I can see Gareth being into that. It's like it is when we do those podcasts, like I'm literally the nine nine times out of ten, like 90% of the reason I want to do the podcast is I wanted to impress Gareth. I wanted the Gareth yeah. to like Joe Kabashi. <laughs> and I, I was, I had uh, spoilers, I think I achieved it just like uh, we achieved it with Joe Necro as well. Um, not that long ago. So, you know, I think that's uh, that's mission accomplished uh, as far as uh, my dealer's choice goes. And uh, I mission accomplished as far as dealer's choice goes in, uh, in general. I was going to say, really big success. For those um, who weren't aware, the last show we did was your choice, which was mm. Joe versus Kabashi. And like the match itself, it was a fucking banger of a show mm. but uh, you know so that's the latest one that's out there but if you have JP hated it he went 4.75 stars on it so clearly clearly fucking it. loved it every <laughs> second of it I couldn't stand watching for that point two five. Oh. but it was but it was you know we went into that and went into the whole show as well you were obviously I don't know if you've told people but you were at the show like live so no i've never mentioned it before to be honest yeah i don't know if that's like something well, that i just make entirely part of my personality uh, i did find someone there's someone else on twitter i can't be it's one of the aarons who used to be on voices and like in his bro in his profile he's got something like joe versus kiboshi attendee so i feel like i need to do that on mine now we need to start a club because i know bix was there as well larry dallas was there Amy mentions he was there too obviously me mate paul who i mentioned he'd have been complaining about the overcrowding the bix wouldn't he let's be honest <laughs> You know what? It was overcrowded that day, and uh, nice. somebody did nice. call the fire marshals. So you know, just saying, uh, who knows? But I was going to say, a person you were very impressed that was there, uh, that was there, or Gareth was as well. Was uh, what's his name? The uh, the, the uh, WWE super fan, Vladimir. Uh, and I didn't even know that in 2005. When I was Where's there. that if documentary? Well, I was saying on the podcast, I felt like in 2005, I was too cool to like, you know, get a picture with the wrestlers type of thing, and I massively regret it. You know, I seen Kabashi just wandering around the hotel lobby and I didn't get a picture with him. What a fucking idiot I was at that time. But the one I regret most, 100%, Vladimir, if I'd have known he was yeah. there, I would have tracked him down. That photo would be on my background right now for the podcast. Oh. Like that, He was the biggest star in the building. Never mind, Kenta Kabashi. I'd have followed him home. Like I would have seen how is this bloke affording to be at all of these major shows that I have loved throughout That's what my we need life. To find out. How did he afford it? Is it in any way, like, and I've implied some several things that feel like they are libelous about why mm. that perhaps he, he can't have that show, whatever. <laughs> However, he paid for it as well. I mm. mean, fucking hell. What a, what a thing. I mean, he didn't miss the shows, but for all we know, he was a fucking hitman. Like, there's no, <laughs> but, but to get a photo with him, Jesus Christ. And he oh. jacked to the gills as per. Mm-hmm. That's a free trade hall territory at this point. With the show. Really I don't know what that means. What's that mean? I don't get it. That's the um, <laughs> Sex Pistols playing uh, uh, Manchester Free Trade Hall. And oh, only certain okay. people, loads of people saying they were there, but they never were there. But Mick Hucknall oh. was definitely there. Mick Hucknall, <laughs> Sydney Red was there. 
it's like the uh, the first progress show, mate. You know, many uh, many website owners were there. Of course, they were. Um, but you know, <laughs> yeah, uh, Vladimir knows where the Vince McMahon bodies are buried. Carl says here, yeah. and he says yeah, sells runs to the wrestlers. Maybe that's his, uh, his little high school. Who are we to know? But yeah, suspicious circumstances that uh, that documentary. Talk uh, to Vladimir. Some Photoshop a shop of fucking doctor's gown on him when he's at ringside. <laughs> Could be that. Could be that. Oh, but anyway, yeah, it was a great trip down it down memory lane. That's so, yeah. If you haven't mm-hmm. already, patreon.com slash grapple. Last time we'll uh we'll yeah. show this month. Definitely been one of my favorite uh Patreon months, as I was just uh, saying to the patrons on the pre-show. Uh, J- uh you know, Garrett's uh, Jericho Deep Cut was amazing. You know, the film club, I genuinely learned things um, looking at the Von Erickson uh and that the misery that was in the eighties in uh, in world class. Uh, that that was fun in its own way. Maybe fun's the wrong word, but uh and then obviously wow. we had uh, Steve, which was the, the same uh, the way. The, watching Wolf Creek is fun because it's a good film. It doesn't make it enjoyable necessarily, does it? <laughs> That's true. Oh, but you know that that was fun. Uh, but yeah, we've yeah. got a uh, plenty, plenty there. Like, like I say, Matty's Steve podcast as well. That itself, as Gareth said last week, it's like almost four hours of just Steve Stone Cold Steve Austin's entire career. Um, like we literally comb through the entire thing. That's absolutely worth your money, but yeah, we had a month of uh, of great laughs on the pre-shows as well, which uh, people might have uh, might have heard a little bit before the the shows, in, including this one. So yeah, Patreon.com/slash/grapple if you want to catch up on all that, uh, get us live in video, um, and get video versions of uh, the majority of the uh, the podcasts we put out on the Patreon. But yeah, now that all that business is uh, is out the way, JP, we'll get into the uh, the week in wrestling um, and what's uh, what's been going on uh, this this week and. Yeah, it's uh, it's been one of them. It's not one of those news weeks where it's like there's a lot going on from a in ring point of view. Well, I've got a couple of highlights later, including uh, mm. the return of maybe a little bit of a, a Brit, Brit Raz segment in there segment later. But an interesting one as uh, far as uh, the news goes and uh, and such. And you know, obviously the Observer Awards uh, dropped last week. There was all that kickoff over the weekend about the. Uh, Observer Awards, which was uh, which is a good laugh that uh, me and you uh, got involved in a little bit on our uh, on our weekend show. Uh, we had Dave Meltzer uh, putting his oar in um, over uh, Tony Khan winning as uh, his Booker of the Year um, mm. in, in the voting, and it wasn't uh, it wasn't Dave picking him. Uh, that is the thing that people forget for the Observer Awards. It is the fan base, and they did vote for uh, for Big Tone, even if it felt like Dave was telling people off in the uh, in the notes part of uh, the Observer. There, oh, but, he was. I mean, <laughs> since then, Triple H has just solidified his case, mate. Um, he solidified his case for a uh, for for, uh, for for Booker of the Year last year and into this year because, fuck me, have you seen this? Have you seen this WrestleMania cards like coming up? Like, I mean, we're conspiracy theorists here, and we've dropped it more than once. The idea that we think maybe Vince might be back, um, but, but I feel like that's just a cop out for people who don't want to admit that actually Triple H isn't that good a Booker. Um, very good at like not being Vince and being relatively competent in comparison and, you know, inheriting the bloodline story and allowing that to be, you know, told. There's a lot to be said for not being a meddling booker and allowing that to, uh, allowing that to take place and allowing that, that story to uh, to happen, even if, you know, as we argued uh, a couple of weeks ago, maybe uh, didn't 100% um, stick the lad- landing on that one. But I don't know, I feel like, uh, you know, the measure of a booker should probably be taken from, not just the top of the card, but the entire card. Fucking hell! Like I was listening to you do the uh, the Rory cap today. <laughs> it's just oh, like geez. the fucking real matches for WrestleMania. Almost 
which I'd never understand why it's pronounced that way because it's O-S-M-O-S. doesn't make sense. Uh, Omos versus Brock Lesnar is a match that, that uh, Booker of the Year Triple H has booked for WrestleMania. Uh, not only that, we've also, we've also got... Bobby Lashley versus Bray Wyatt happened at WrestleMania. So yeah, congratulations, uh, Bobby Lashley. Who? There's your award for the uh, the shitty end of the <laughs> less than a Who day decided Bobby that? Feud. Oh, we're still OJP. And I think this is the worst one. Miz being the guest host of WrestleMania. Like, what year is it? Like, who asked for that? Who wanted that? Like, it's looking. I mean, you add you add into it that these announced the Edge Finn Balor. I know Matty's going to be into that, but uh, I'm definitely not. Like, fuck me. Like, I don't think uh, this uh, this idea that Triple H is uh, is Booker of the Year is uh, is uh, I don't know if he's making that case uh, earlier this year in uh, in 2023. If he is indeed still in charge, yeah. That. I have my doubts. Bray Wyatt, Bobby mm. Lashley feels like mm. it's so randomly thrown out with no mm. kind of build towards it. And Miz hosting WrestleMania is very much like it's safety blanket stuff. Mm. We need a moment. So we're going to have Brock Lesnar do an F5 on a bloke who's seven foot. Even if in your head it sounds good, in reality, Omos is going to have to take that bump incredibly well for it to be the kind of bona fide mm. moment. And what's the odds that he doesn't quite get it right, that he's a bit knackered and he ends up landing mm. on his knees and he looks a bit shit and you go, hmm, okay, was that worth it? Was that worth the use of Brock Lesnar? We could be using him to get someone massively over. I mean, it's a lot of the matches on here, it feels are like, in some ways, they're like the logical outcomes of certain things. So like Uso, Sami Zayn, Kevin Owens feels like kind mm. of, of obvious um, Edge versus Finn Balor. Sadly, it's just like, well, they've been going. This has been dragging on. I for so that long. Finn, Finn, I saw that Finn Balor promo where he was like, you know, this ends when I say it ends, which is basically like heel talk for yeah, this feud just fucking won't end, will it? Yeah, um. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? So that's ending. Rey Mysterio, Dominic Mysterio. But mm. I'm not excited about any of these. Yeah, I found no. the Dominic Mysterio bits funny in isolation and things like that, but I wouldn't necessarily call them great. Like, mm. and I'm still like kind of very uncertain about the match and, and other stuff mm. there. But so it's, yeah, it is kind of it. It does feel like kind of lackluster on the on mm. the undercard. Which, in fairness, a lot of WrestleManias in recent years have been very lackluster on some of these undercard moments. Um, mm. it, they've got the card there, but it's not like what you'd say is inspired booking, is it? That's Triple H up to a T, though, isn't it? Like, I, I mean, the, this idea that he's this great booker, like, we were all hoodwinked by NXT because, as we've said a million times, the takeovers were good, but no one was watching the weekly TV. And he's been put in charge now. We've had a good period of him in charge. And again, by allowing Bloodline to happen, don't get me wrong, best storyline WWE have done in years. That is a feather in his cap. Like, even if we dispute the end and... Elimination Chamber and this confusion with Cody going into Mania. And how much of the mechanics of it are Heyman? Yeah, there is that. We don't know, do we? So we don't. No, I mean, don't. at the end of the day, he's the one in charge. So if we're going to give, yeah. you know, Tony Khan credit for things that happen in ROH and Ghetto credit for the other problems in New Japan, there's always that wrestling involvement, isn't there? Whatever. That's that's fine. But that was the thing with NXT the entire the entire run. Like, it was just paint by numbers telly. No one was actually watching it. And then when they ended up on USA Network, he got found out immediately because it was completely non-compelling TV that everybody switched over to watch Dynamite instead of. And, like, that's 
being his WWE run. Like, so like I just have to laugh at the idea that he's maybe promoter of the year, potentially, but like Booker for all of Tony Khan's faults. The, like you can't tell me Raw or SmackDown are better than Dynamite. Like they're not. Like they weren't in 2022. And like you know, as far as build to a big show goes, when we get later on into AEW, I'm sure we'll have some negative things to say about the uh, the build to uh, to to Revolution here. And you know, there are again, we are not the podcast that will shy away from the issues that exist with AEW. If anything, we get enough grief for that uh, as it is. Yeah. But like you know, the proof's in the pudding. Here. Like this, like I say, the fact that like. The almost thing's the weirdest one. Like, why is he facing unless Brock Lesnar has refused every other opponent they've thrown on? And maybe it's that, maybe it's a Moxley situation, maybe it's a no, I'm not mm. wrestling him, he's too small. No, I'm but I'm not putting Gunther over if that's your plan. You know, therefore they put him in with someone quote unquote safe in uh and almost who, by the way, has been on TV once in the last three months as far as wrestling goes. So I mean that that tells you where you know his level of momentum in, in the grand scheme of things. But like Bray Wyatt's a great example of like this Triple H Superbooker thing. Like, brought him, don't again, brought him back, got like an amazing kind of, you know, um, moments out of it. If you, if you want to, you know, trademark WWE moments, um, as, uh, as Andy says here with WrestleMania, that is absolutely true. And I loved the presentation of it when they revealed that he was back. And I, again, I almost feel wrong about this, but I said the entire time it was right to bring Bray Wyatt back. He's going to sell you a shitload of merch. Those Fiend files are fucking everywhere. Um, you might as well exploit them and make some money. But what's he fucking done since he come back? He's done nothing. Like, he's done literally... He's There's been no character progression, no story progression. Uncle Howdy shows up every now and then on the TV to build up a, a fucking a match with Bobby Lashley, of all people. And to use a f- and the literally on on Raw this week get the Firefly Funhouse back like it's just all the old shit in it. You know, the more I speak, the more it sounds like Vince is back. But like, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking awful, isn't it? Like, oh, that's not your booker of the year. Well, I made so I went on the BT Sport app today, which mm. is where it's shown in, in the UK, and I went on there to watch the cricket highlights, which I did talk about in the pre-show. But suffice to say, it was like you know one of the greatest Test match finishes in recent years. So it's well worth the watch. And I know it's Raw was on I there. Was I was like thought... four in the morning and just a load of people were going, what the fuck? Oh, I can't believe Ben, somebody or other has done this. And I was like, oh, I didn't understand what was going on. So that, now I get it now, cricket. We talk, <laughs> we talk about Stokes or folks. It could be any number of, yeah, like, but it was there. basically like, Someone did it was controversial. It, it wasn't really, it wasn't, I don't think there was anything necessarily controversial going on, but anyway, um, but I put on Raw. <laughs> Like, because it was there, and I realized with Raw that it's in chapters, so you can kind of skip through it. And it's a very, very lackluster show. Like, mm. even like, you know, how they like it's it starts off with an interview segment, leads to a match, then it's just sort of a mixture of promo match, promo match, video package, and it's it's very, very uninspired. It's mm. by the numbers, and they're you could say, well, they're telling stories, but really. How exciting are those stories when we, yeah. when we get down to the crunch? I think yeah, the such numbers... such good and bad stories, mate. <laughs> you know, that's there the is. thing, isn't it? The numbers bounce feels very much because of what's been going on in and around the main event. That's the stuff that gets the kind of reactions there. Um, and that's why there's an argument for promoter of the year, 100%. Yeah, there is. Mm. And and obviously, like you'd say storyline angle of the year. And it feels like it's a chewing. And, and even then, this is not like a storyline without its faults. I mean, and the whole Booker of the Year thing, just to be a contrarian hipster fuck, I like, I would have said Rossi Agawa at Stardom because they are a company that have grown 
that in terms of Booker of the Year, but did surprisingly well in the the voting as well for that. But mm. with this, like you look at where they are with a lot of these matches, and you're thinking, well, what's going to headline on on day one? if we're having mm. Roman versus Cody on day two or however they're doing the split for it, Charlotte Flair, Rhea mm. Rip, Bianca Belair, Asuka, the Usos yeah. versus Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens is a much better shout to do that. You could even argue John Cena versus Austin Theory or whatever the hell they're doing with, you know, Trish Stratus even going into it mm. and stuff like that. But like, it's, it's not exactly the kind of stuff that's going to really like drive numbers they'll sell a certain amount of tickets based on the name and the amount of hype and other things like that and it will be the most watched show that they have on peacock peacock they'll have enough like kind of promotional might behind it in order it's to make 300 from last year you know you'll get yeah. all of that but i always look at those and like the social media metrics as well about how much of those actually result in buys like there's still that mm. part of me that thinks how much does it result in kind of money being taken in by the company to do it but mm. Yeah, I'd hardly say I'm enthused. I mean, looking through the run-through of, of what's on the card, um, you know, mm. when I saw like things like Bray Wyatt, Bobby Lashley, is such a stylistically bad... Poor Bobby choice. Lashley. Poor and Bobby it comes Lashley. out of nowhere. Like, mm. I mean, if they have a match, just a competent match, it would go down as one of the great Bray Wyatt singles matches because that gives you some idea about how bad his matches have been over such a long period of time. There's no way there isn't some supernatural bollocks that appears during this stuff as well. I saw the the muscle dance stuff and I'm just there going like, so are they got, but it also suggests as well, and this is the whole thing about bringing him, bringing Bray Wyatt back. They've gone from the pop to this Uncle Howdy stuff, to the, um, like, pitch black match, to this version of Bray Wyatt, which is kind of like stuff he was doing when he was, like, feuding with Cena and the rest of it. So it was like, like, where does it even fit in? And and that's where you start to get the thing in your head of going, there's only one person who would force something like that into it, and it would be Vince. <laughs> And somebody else the room pointed out clearly. That, that, that there was things with Otis, like <laughs> looking. Uh, I don't know who the, the woman was at rings, or which which of the women wrestlers it was at ringside that he was looking at. And mm. you go, "Oh my god, that's classic Vince." Fat mm. guy is a crush. That. They love that kind of stuff on here, and it's. I think we're going to see I more of it after what I, this. What moment. I believe more, I can't decide whether I believe more that like Vince is back, and that's why like. This underguard has gone to shit. Because again, top if the, if it's all that matters to you, top line stuff is working. You know, I don't Sammy and the tags a bit disappointing, but I think they'll get to the destination they want to get to. Cody and Roman are going to have a big moment on SmackDown this week. They'll get to a moment they want to get to. Mm-hmm. Undercard's in complete disarray, and yeah, I can't decide whether my running theory is Vince's back, and that's why, or whether, like I said before, that is just giving Triple H too much credit, and he's just as we kept saying. Not that genius, not that level of genius that uh, he's been presented. That and this, these are just excuses that uh, are kind of being rolled out to, uh, you know, make it make us all feel better about uh, about his his limitations yep. as a booker. Can't decide which of the two it is, but it, either way, it's not good. Like I remember those years, and I know like this in danger. We'll we'll change subjects in a minute, but this is you know in danger turning into the old man podcast of remembering my day when WrestleMania meant something. But like not even going back that far. Like I remember a few like even like five, six years ago or you know, go go far as back 
going back a little bit here, but go back to like the Brian stuff. Like I this period, you know, when the clocks change in America and Raw's on an hour earlier, I got yeah. fond memories that you know, that three weeks into Mania. Every week being like, you know what, I'm going to watch Raw this week because I want to see, you know, how Mania gets laid out and what's happening. Maybe that's SmackDown's job at this point, but I can't imagine. You know, as much as Triple H has steadied the ship since Vince's been gone, like, you know, we're not getting back to those days, you know what I mean? People just, no. I just think people need to pump the brakes on uh, any idea. Like, like you know, he's, he's this genius. He's not Vince. That's all it is. That's what he's got. That's his biggest oh. selling point. He's not Vince. And right now, we're not even sure he, about that. You know, come he back understands- to Mania. You know, the greater power might take his hood off, and we'll see. He understands the concept of long-term booking, so that's what this is in terms of the build-up mm. to it. But then even then, there's stuff like like we've said, the stuff that's just being thrown in with no real mm. build in these last kind of few weeks on here. The other stuff that's rumoured, I mean, Drew McIntyre versus Gunter, like mm. on there as well, Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler versus Damage Control. Mm. That's not really been built to at all. Cena versus Austin Theory. And this is John Cena. Like, this mm. isn't somebody like, you know, we talk about The Rock coming back and about that because like, mm. it's a certain level of, of star. John Cena is a big star. Make no bones about it. Mm. And he's in a match at Mania, effectively. Mm. And it's not being, like, kind of promoted at all. I mean, being hinted at, I imagine, and stuff like that. But it isn't, like, as big a deal mm. as perhaps as it should be. And... yeah. And it does make you kind of wonder what's going on. Like, it's the kind of stuff where mm-hmm. for somebody whose whole stock in traders, he's a safe pair of hands, basically. He's a caretaker manager. He's going to come in and he's not going to mix around with the well, he's got going for him. Like, yeah. I would mm-hmm. kind of think of him as like Pat Rice, like when uh, mm-hmm. Arsene Wenger back in the day, if, oh, if, if Arsene Wenger wasn't well or something like that, and he'd, he'd go, or got a touchline ban because that used to happen on mm-hmm. new occasions. He'd come on and he wouldn't, kind of mess around with it but these are things that kind of make you think that actually isn't there is there going to be some some movement around here and as chris mentions in the chat when it comes to gunter a shameless rematch they had a match that was highly like really high up there in top 10 matches of the year perfect Mm -hmm. place to have that perfect place for Sheamus to have to take the title back and then you move gunter into the world title situation situation and top of the card as like mm. you're kind of one of your main event heels post WrestleMania, uh, transfer them a rule, whatever the fuck it is they do. That's the simpler way of doing it. But instead, it's like it's Drew. Vince likes Drew. Mm. What's Drew? You can imagine that conversation, can't you? What's Drew doing? Nothing. Oh, you got to put him. Got to do it put him somewhere. Oh, what's what's almost doing? And Triple H's like who? Oh yeah, that guy. Oh. Uh, nothing. <laughs> like, like, but you can imagine that conversation, can't you? Like hundred yeah. percent. Brock's supposed to be putting over Gunther. No, that's not happening. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe yeah, that is the uh, the hand coming. Like like Simon says here, Triple H's Jerry to uh, Vince's Logan, the acceptable face of the company, but ultimately a puppet uh, for the uh, succession there. Uh, fans out there, there's uh, there's something to that and you know before we move on to circle back to the Bray Wyatt thing as Mikey says there you know we look back in 20 years at the Lord of Bray Wyatt what are we going to think like I you know I didn't necessarily subscribe to the idea he was this twisted genius that needed to be listened to but I was actually open to it this time I was open to him coming back and let's just see let's you know it might not be stuff that's for me but it's going to be for the Fiender files so let's go like it's not even been like you know what was the P? The QR codes that happened before he debuted. Like, I mean, I think even the feed the files will stop guessing who the Wyatt Six is if that's even uh, his WrestleMania entrance against Cena. Yeah, that was his peak. 
Mm. And it's probably one of his... That match looks like fucking Misawa versus Kawada in fucking hindsight. (laughs) The shite he's produced thereafter. 100%. It's ironic given how much that prick likes to say he loves watching All Japan. Like, all evidence evidence (laughs) to the contrary, Wyndham. 100%. 100%. Well, moving on from there, from WrestleMania into uh, into matters, uh, t- moving from one booker of the year to uh, another booker of the year. Um, again, another thing we talked about on the weekend show that's kind of developed over the weekend, JP, uh, Kenny Omega. Um, obviously, we mm. talked... Um, the time we recorded the weekend show, it wasn't a story that was getting much traction. This idea that, uh, that Kenny Omega's uh, contract had, uh, had expired um, around January time um, and had been... Think, think Rey Mysterio, you know, in WWE in years gone by, um, it had been extended for time for injury. Um, Dave Meltzer reporting this, uh, not 100% clear on how long um, has been added onto it, but it's a, it's a number of months, so we're kind of expecting it at least through a, a good portion of this year that he's still going to be a AW employee. But as we said on that show, JP, and people might have seen the uh, the YouTube clip up there, youtube.com mm-hmm. slash uh, Um, If you want to uh, follow us on YouTube, do us a favor, get us up to those uh, that magic 1,000 subscribers, be appreciated. Um, but but um, as we said on that bit of clip that we put up there, like the thing with with Kenny Omega, Omega, kind of is that like yeah, that's a again, it's another Cody, it's another one of those situations where it's like I mean, fucking hell, like the fact that like surely alarm bells should be ringing that they haven't been able to sign Kenny, you know, to a contract that would keep him there past January rather than forcibly extending his contract due to injury. Over the weekend, more stuff's come out about it. It does seem mm. one thing I can't kind of add up that I've thought about since we talked on Friday is hang on, if his wrestler contract got extended, what about his EVP contract? Whether that's where the paper it's written on, as Gareth will often say, um, is another matter. But what what's going on there? Multiple news stories over the weekend, including an interview where Kenny did himself, but like uh, stuff coming out that uh, you know Kenny's open. Um, to WWE, um, he was on Renee uh, Paquette's podcast uh, where he talked about being worried, and I thought this was a very interesting quote that he's wasting his time in AEW. Um, and he, that, I mean, obviously, that's a bit of a clickbait title, and a lot of the clickbait sites have been running with it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not above it. I'll be, uh, I might well, be, <laughs> I might well use that for a YouTube clip or two. But yeah. like, <laughs> like you know, there is a there's a truth behind that in that he was the context of the quote was him talking about you know the fact that like. He's seen his role as at this point of bringing other people on, and is he kind of the way he wears it himself? Was am I being selfish by like you know not being the Kenny Omega that was driven to you know in his words win the G One or to have the match of the year or to win the Tokyo Sports Wrestler of the Year? All of those little things that like drove Kenny Omega in his peak New Japan run mm. through to AEW, you know where you know it was about doing another new thing, building a new company. Like Kenny's kind of kind of said, you know, I'm not really. You know, maybe in his words, maybe I'm not selfish enough. Maybe that's, you know, maybe it's wrong of me to be in this position and, and kind of not want those things, not want to be the top guy at this point. Um, thought that was a really, really interesting quote. And, you know, he, saw, he talked a little bit about Brawl Out as well, which we can uh, we can get into in a minute. But I don't know. He didn't shut down a possibility of him. It seems the least likely option, you know, in going to WWE. If anything, I could see him, as he said in that Sasha Banks documentary, you know, wanting to spread his wings, go back to Japan again, go where he's mm. where he's truly happy. But between between the lines, just things don't seem right, do they? Um, and as we, 
as the candid evidence has mounted over the weekend and those comments coming out um, from him, I'm I'm definitely no more uh, no more confident. Like this could very easily be another another Cody Rhodes. Um, I've seen some daft daft uh, conjecture about this and whether you know it would be good for AEW to to let Kenny go, but you know it might explain JP's booking at the minute and you know a lot of things you've been complaining about. What yeah, you know, Kenny Omega's position kind of is in uh, in AEW at this point. Yeah, um, he, he doesn't seem happy. Like, if you're just going on your kind of gut feel, he doesn't seem like somebody who is happy working at the company. I mean, I think the 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 comment I remember from hearing of the Rene Paquette interview is him talking about the, like, him leaving the company and then walking like it was the gif of Donald Glover carrying the um, pizza boxes in community. Walks in and the room's on fire. Everything's on like, fire. Yeah, yeah. Like he thought he said that, but by putting Hangman over in his mind, he was putting AW in a good position. It was like, okay, now that yeah. the younger guy is now on top, and you know you don't need me in that position now, which is a blinkered way of looking at that. that you know everything that happened after that transaction, um, but certainly you know six months on when he returned to the locker room, I'm sure it. Yeah, it did oh. look um, you know like things were on fire to him because. They kind of were when it came to Hangman's title ring. Well, they were, weren't they? And but I think that's the whole idea is is he's probably thinking to himself, what is this place that it has changed? Mm. And this is where you know that it's changed beyond what the original founding statement was and the founding mission was. Is he probably came back in and he saw a locker room with locker room politics at play, mm. whereas before it was meant to be you know the idea of rising tides lift all ships. So mm. it would be everybody working together. Now that's probably the very f- nice way of 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 kind of saying it, and it's probably the best like kind of thing that makes him look best as well. But overall, he just doesn't seem like someone who's happy. If you think of like, I hate this idea of someone's contract being extended because you can include the injury mm. in that as well. I don't see that happening in other sports like a, a lot of the time. And if it is, it's not going to work. Imagine on, being off long-term yeah. sick for six months and you try to leave and they go, no, nah, you owe us six more months, sorry. <laughs> I know it's yeah. different, but still. Like, no. <laughs> it's, wild, it's, it? it's fucking outrageous. Um, so mm. I kind of look at this this Kenny Omega story and I kind of think, where is he in this position now? Is he capable of big matches? As we've seen with Will Ospreay, yes. Is he able of, of consistently delivering those probably to the level that he would have been doing in... 2016, 2017. No, like it's taken a massive. Does he want to do them? The G ones. Mm. He doesn't want to do them. I think he likes doing the odd big match. I think he likes mm. that, and for his ego and, mm. and everything else. But I probably lean more towards the camp of I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up in WWE because mm. he has the mindset of what WWE is to a lot of guys, which is I can go there, I can make a fortune. I'm in my 40s, which is like what AJ Styles was. I can kind of cash mm. out. I'm not going to be expected to do too much. I'm not going to have the pressure of carrying the company, but he will mm. get some big main events and will want big money to to sign, which obviously mm. they have. And WWE, even if they're not getting the Kenny Omega of 2016, 2017, or even like 2019, 2020, what they're getting from an optics point of view would be so valuable in the sense of if they sign Omega, you'd believe they could sign the Bucks. And then they've got mm. Cody. Then who else is there? Adam Page. Like, mm. really, in a sense, they would look at it as we've we've taken the elite out of all elite wrestling. You it's, know, 
it'd be a massive scalp for them. Like if a that happened, massive scalp. and like, and they move heaven and earth to do it. Because the natural comparison is Cody, and I think it's Kenny's current position in AEW is similar to Cody in some ways and completely different to Cody in some ways. Mm. Like Cody is the place where you can make the argument that was a that was a deadline day transfer that worked out for both clubs and the player. You know, if you want to use like in, in football terms, like it worked out for AW because AW weren't getting Cody's best, you know, and that's on Cody as much as it's on Tony Khan. You know, his ideas were bad. Um, Tony Khan should have been shutting down those bad ideas and should have been the grown up in the room forcing him to just do some serious programs. Does that sound familiar? But you know, that, that, you know, that is absolutely true about, uh, about Cody, you know, but AW, I think losing him didn't really lose much in the end. When he went at the time, I was strong on the idea that I thought it was bad optics. I thought it was bad for the company as a as just a just looking at it from the outsiders. You know, somebody with all the you know all the power and privilege that came with being an EVP was willing to get up and leave. I, and you know, you know, we love a good victory lap. I do think that's been proven true over time. It wasn't good for for AW for that to be the look. You know that that that's happened that that somebody in that position was willing to leave. And I think there'd be some truth. There'd be some of that if you apply it to Kenny. I think the the booking side of things. Um, there are people higher than us. You know, I was I, when I think about this, I was thinking like a suit Williams, like a suit as somebody who's, who's been on the show's opinion. I respect loads. Who's much higher than us on Kenny Omega's title run? Mm. I didn't enjoy it for the most part. I didn't think that Kenny was ever really the A champion he should have been. He was always a bit too jokey, a bit too comedy, a bit too B-level villain for me. Obviously, there's the Hangman story is a massive notch on his belt um, as far as that run goes. And that was the biggest thing. You know, he, he lost the Hangman and his mind, he put Hangman over and that, and that was that's probably the most important thing you can take from that title run. And I think that match with Hangman and the Brian match around that time at the two moments where I've gone, that's the Kenny Omega that we, that we want at AW. But I would argue for the rest of the run, there have been great matches in there. I'm obviously lower on some of those world title matches than some people are. But even with that said, I don't think he's ever really been the Kenny Omega that, like, I always think of, you know, I never want to use the casual fan argument. But, you know, if you're someone who just heard the Kenny Omega, the legend, and heard about him, this best, best in the world wrestler, and he was starting this new company, he's in AEW. Did you ever really see him on AWTV? I think in fleeting moments. And for the most part, he's been allowed, and especially in recent history, just do whatever the fuck he wants. And what he wants isn't always for the best. That's where the similarity is to Cody. You know, instead of being in a major money drawing program, he's spinning a basketball on his finger and he's doing comedy, you know, segments backstage with, with the young books. You know, that's something we talked about for the last few weeks or so where I've had more patience than you on that. Cause I've been, I've kind of been thinking, well, let's get to the pay-per-view. We'll move on. We'll get something serious with Kenny with all of this background going on, like these little bits that are sneaking out. Maybe that's not coming. Maybe he's being allowed to just be Kenny because maybe Tony's done with him or maybe doesn't want to, you know, stress him out at a time where he wants to resign and wants to let Kenny be Kenny. But that's where there's a comparison to Cody. You can't tell me Kenny Omega say left AEW tomorrow and went to WWE. Like, have we got everything out of Kenny that you wanted in AEW? Absolutely not. Have you got all the matches you wanted out of Kenny in AEW? Absolutely not. All the programs you wanted out of Kenny? Absolutely not. And like Cody, we'll look back you know, with Cody, we didn't get the MJF match. We didn't get the Kenny match. We didn't get the Punk match. We didn't get the you know a Hangman feud. All of those big things with with Cody. There's a lot of those parallels with Kenny. 
Where I think it's different than Cody is I don't agree it would be good for AEW in any way if, if Kenny left. I think there's, again, that similarity. It'd be great for WWE, say he ended up there, because it'd be a great scalp. It might be good for Kenny to have an adult who might sit him down. I don't know whether WWE is the right adult for that job, but to sit him down and go make like none of this bollocks. This is what makes you the best in the world. Even if it's a you know an older, more broken down version of that, this is what you need to be. You need to be more serious in your programs, all of that stuff. I think that's where there's a comparison. But like I think this would be a bigger loss than Cody if Kenny if Kenny left mm. this year and they didn't get all, all of that out of him. I think he's his booking's not been great the last while, but where I differ on Cody is I felt like at the time Cody left, he was a lost cause. It was done. You were never getting him back on course. The whole heel baby face thing was all a mess. You can pull Kenny back up and make him a main eventer tomorrow if you want. That's where the difference is. That's where there'd be a big, massive loss if he, if he left AEW. My question just would be, is that day going to come? Or is it going to be a case of, we're going to get, we're gonna, it's going to be history repeating and he's going to be, you know, Knocking around with it, you know, we're gonna get a funny picture with it with Cody and WWE. He's gonna end up back in Japan, and we're gonna have all those those same regrets. Um, that's where you know, like, I say, there's some similarities there, and there's there's some differences there as well. I think that's the thing with him being under contract for a certain period of time. It's almost there's almost stuff about him and his demeanor. And I was thinking the bit with him, if you think about the things that he was doing within the company, so you take the video game role. We don't really know where that is. I mean, I kind of hypothesized before and, uh, you know, some really good feedback um, from some of the patrons in, in the chat mm-hmm. there about, like, a lot of the reasons for the delay. And, and it's it's a mammoth process. It's how far mm-hmm. into testing there are, you know, stories that he is, like, some sort of issue with it. But he can't be enjoying that. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, he's working in a place where a lot of the roster has kind of changed and people mm-hmm. who he's kind of brought in have changed and the whole dynamics of like the kind of company have changed, but he doesn't seem to book the women's division anymore. That appears to not really be him. So what is his EVP role at that point? Like, so you think about that and he's involved in kind of feuds that don't matter. Mm. Like, which we can say like, yeah, there were good matches against Mm. death triangle, but did they matter? Not really. Doesn't feel like the trios title is any bigger of a draw. They'll have the match with House of Black. I fully expect it to be a hell of a lot of fun, but it won't mean anything. And I think that's the, being, the issue. Jump in there. It's being overstated by the Cornette type accounts and stuff. But the numbers aren't amazing for like for Kenny in the books. There's not a. Mm-hmm. It's not you know. It's not like they they turn up on telly and it craters just because of them. Look at that rampage rating last week. They're not difference makers right now in this in uh, this role that they're in. They're absolutely uh, not. Even if again you really enjoyed the uh, you know the stuff with Death Triangle as a you know an in ring program, which again I know a lot of people did. Sorry, JP. No, no, no. I mean, I would say like kind of uh, like a follow on from it. If you see a card in like a tag match, but it's like an exhibition tag match, mm. it's not the same as an Asakada singles match, is it? Not going to have as much of a draw unless that feel. And that's how we are with two acts that are proven to draw. Um, And they're not being used in the best of ways. And part of the reason is they don't want to be used in the best of ways. Mm -hmm. They kind of don't want to be told what to do. Because I think at their core, there is a thing about their realisation with AEW that it's Tony Khan's company. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were the the signings they needed in order to get a kickstart. Mm -hmm. But... 
it might feel to them at this point in time like it's a company that's kind of moving on without them. Mm. And that's that's dangerous because I'm not one of these people to say it would be a good thing for them to go. I think it might be a good thing for them. All said, they could go there. They have that WWE run. They won't be wondering what if. They can draw a load of money. They can do the kind of big stadium shows and the rest of it. And mm. they can have some really fun six-mans, like with the bloodline and stuff like that. You know, like the, the storylines kind of write themselves mm. really as much as much as anything else. But with but with Kenny Omega at, at this point in time, he, he doesn't sound like somebody who wants to re-sign and he might get a big bump in his pay packet. But then if it's about getting creative control, then we're in the same problem where the things we want to see booked, he's not going to want to do them. Mm. So, and there's so many like unique singles matchups for Omega. There was more for him than there was for anybody else. You mentioned the similarities between him and Cody Rhodes. Fundamentally, Cody Rhodes, as we said at the time, is like a WWE wrestler. He wrestles yeah. like a WWE wrestler. He holds himself like one. He mm. just had enough self awareness to realize he needed the indie cred in order mm. to go along with it. He got that, and he goes back, and he's a kind of different prospect as to when he when he left the place. Mm. Kenny Omega has a whole kind of unique appeal to them that will you know garner eyeballs and you get to a roman reigns match and the rest of it there'll be big expectations for it mm. but i like I, I like where he is at the moment you hear the things he's saying like he feels like he's being wasted he feels like you know somebody that the morale isn't there doesn't appear particularly enthused by the product generally so mm. what are we going to do with him the question that's the ever-present question and it's coming in a world where you know christian just came back christian had the same injury as um a certain wrestler that uh that kenny also mentioned in his uh his interview ready for cat yeah he's very political about it kenny um in talking about uh punk you know talking about the backstage atmosphere at aw and you know we obviously had that line about it he came back and it like it was like it was on fire but, you know, we talked about him in the books being in a good place and him hoping that, you know, Punk is also in a good fa- in a p- good place. Also talking about the fact that he maybe, you know, noted all the stories that are out there saying, you know, there's a legal reason he can't talk about it. But, mm. you know, varying versions of the story might come together to make the actual truth rather than the truth that people are taking because they're, they're going on, on either side. But I thought that was an interesting thing for him to even like half comment on in an interview in like in a week where and I, I hesitate to call this news but uh, as I am one JP, I do kind of uh, hang around in a few different discords, um, not just to uh, not just to see people slag us off, um, but also because I'm I'm a, I'm an addict for that type of stuff. I'm a, I'm a message board lurker of uh, of olden days, and uh, there's a few a uh, few different discords, some of which I won't uh, admit to being on. Mm. I'm on on the, uh, the oh, oh, speaking of Suit Williams, our good friends at the uh, the Voices of Wrestling. Um, their Discord uh, is one that I often spend some time on and sometimes regret. Um, but uh, that's more the uh, so, some of the posters are there rather than uh, um, definitely rather than uh, than the actual uh, staff of Voices of Wrestling, who we, are, we have a uh, great relationships uh, great relationships with. But like that place was burning down on um, on Saturday because the you know fight game media, uh, uh, Garrett Gonzalez is a uh, outlet. Oh, they've yeah. started their own Discord. I know this is a wild way to get to a news story, but they've started one. And Ryan Frederick of uh, of Wrestling Observer was in there 
just posting away like it was a message board and like it was like you know the early early internet days like we're talking about 2005 you know when you, you thought the things you posted on the internet weren't real life like i definitely mm. had that feeling in those early internet days that ah i'm just a you know i'm just a, an avatar online and you know my mum's never gonna see this my aunties are never gonna see this the people i know from work are never gonna see this this isn't real life like that was the attitude we had back then you can't have it to have it today in a you know in the, in the digital media ages obviously as uh, his comments got picked up on the uh, discord that I was looking at at the time and kind of blew up on Twitter as well. But basically, like adding a bit of color um, to the to the whole punk exit, um, talking about the fact that, in his words, Hangman at Double or Nothing was actually supposed to be going over. And this is a a wrinkle that I didn't know. I mean, we knew that Punk had said he wouldn't put Hangman over, so I suppose we should have put you know one on one together and made two. But I definitely. Assumed the punk was always winning anyway at double or nothing, but apparently, according to uh, to Frederick, punk because of the issue with Hangman and the workers' rights promo refused to to lose to Hangman, which meant he had to become the AW World Champion. And in Ryan Frederick's words, Tony Khan sat on the porch of Punk's house in LA, booking out the summer with Hangman nowhere near the mix, basically because Punk would never work with him. Like I'm. Before we get into more of this on Punk, because you know there's been Mark Henry, you know, making comments on Punk, and there's definitely a feeling that you know maybe the the scene is being set for him to come back. Is that something that you'd put together that you were kind of like that was the story in your head that Punk only won the world title because you refused to Hangman, refused to drop to Hangman, or was that news to you? Because that was news to me. Like I complete news to true, me. If it's true, and I know outlets are running with this, and it's based on a message for post, but it's coming from a journalist who hasn't ba- who hasn't backed down on what he said um, in any way. Um, you know that if that's true, then fuck me, that I think that's news. I think that's massive news. Mm. I think it's kind of it's worrying because it you would to say the relationship doesn't it? It's a it does speak. Down. It does. It does speak to the relationship, and it's not one that suggests it is one. It suggests that the talent is in control of the booking. Like mm. a, a worrying degree, it was always said that he knew his first four champions, and it was very clear. You start, off, you go from Jericho, Jericho to Moxley, Moxley to Omega, Omega to Page. Always made sense. Always felt like it was laid out in a way that you kind of knew that those were the story beats that were going to happen. Punk, it mm. felt like, well, we've got CM Punk. He's back in. He's wrestling full time. He's wrestling to a high standard. We can put the title on him. So you, I kind of assumed it was from that kind of decision as much as anything else. And it opened itself up to a whole series of kind of dream matches on pay-per-view and then the rest of it and big TV ratings. So I always saw the logic for it. Mm. I was surprised by this uh, as much as anything. And and it's no one comes out looking good over a story like that. No, like, like I get the point because I know, you know, you know I, I know this happens in wrestling. I know like, you know, politicking and finish changing mm. and whatever happens in wrestling. But I, I just think, because like, I, I I've said it a million times, was there in the building, and this is me new Joe Kabashi, this, but I had like, as much as I'm a big punk fan, I had that dirty feeling of, oh, I don't think he should have won that. <laughs> I celebrated and I was happy to a point, but there was a niggling part of me like, oh, is it right that the outsider comes and just takes the title from the babyface world champion who's only just got started with his reign and never really had a reign because he mm. never really felt like the champion the entire time? It felt, felt a bit odd. But like, I think it just says, you know, where I've closed the door on the idea of Punk ever coming back to AEW at one point. Tony Carter's never actually, like, we forget this. He's not taking any action on CM Punk. He steals no. off the door. 
The Bucks and Kenny got suspended for a bit. Presumably Punk was suspended for a bit with them. But like it's almost been forgotten, that thread. He never actually did anything. He's never really been punished. <laughs> He's just been out injured. And if just this little nugget of a story just tells you, like, go back to the formation of AEW. Like, Tony Khan didn't form AEW because he loved the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega. He formed it. He, he got them because they were the big free agents. Like, they clearly weren't really his... I mean, Kenny Omega's everyone's type of wrestler, but they weren't, like, his vision. I think even Cody was more like a Tony Khan kind of wrestler. But it always feels like Jericho has, like, the run of Tony Khan. Like, he literally can say, you know, say or do anything, be atrocious at commentary, you know, have these feuds that go on forever. Chris Jericho clearly has a huge amount of power in that locker room and mm. can pretty much, you know, wrap Tony Khan around his little finger. I think CM Punk's the same. And I think CM Punk, I think Tony Khan obviously, you know, sees these guys as big stars, which they are, um, and is acting a certain way with them. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't really seen it at, at Fulham because we, you know, they don't have big stars other than Mitrovic. But it feels like there's something there that, like, it's not actually out the realm of possibility. You know? Like, Punk might be coming back and, you know, we'll just be like, yeah, Kenny and the books are going to have to deal with it. Like, as much as, like, it felt like for a while, like he'd taken a certain side. This story and the fact that, like, you know, Hangman and this main character of AEW had his entire summer dropped, which might have had knock-on effects on whatever MJF was going to do. I don't rule out that maybe that has something to do with, with MJF storming out last year. You know, everything getting changed over the summer to Punk's whims. But it just tells you something. It makes me think a little bit differently. I don't, you know, it goes back to the Cody Kenny thing. Like, uh, Tony Khan, as wonderful as a human being he is in the face of tragedy. And we said loads of good things about him recently, especially over the Briscoe stuff and Brody Mm. Lee stuff. And, you know, he can lead that locker room in a certain way at times. But then there's other times where, as a man manager, the fact that he lost Cody, the fact that seems like Kenny's head has turned. The fact that, like, these big stars get to kind of run over him a little bit <sighs> makes me wonder about his, uh, his man-manager skills. He just feels like that, yeah? That Premier League manager that's dwarfed by the big signings. He shouldn't... This is where you want... He has Jim Ross, but he needs 1997 Jim Ross. <laughs> the kind of liaison. that man back. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. He's very much... And Giovanni's not that guy, I don't think And Giovanni's <laughs> not that guy. That is very much the case. Like, it, it mm. is, it's about somebody who is going to kind of forcibly instill, like, like as a number two, as a hard bastard mm. number two who comes in, who is going to very much, like, sort of dish out the orders of this is going to be happening. Now, if he has him under contract, I think it's a dereliction of duty for him to go, right, we are going to have a match... You, you are under contract. We're going to want to do you and Kenny on pay-per-view. Mm. And they're going to say no. Go, why? Like, this would mm. be... Um, like, And just mention the fact that, that, like, you know, then you're going to find out, like, because that would draw. That would be like a... Mm. That would draw money. I don't think it would draw, like, you know, it wouldn't be setting pay-per-view records or anything else. But it's an example of where you don't ever think he's actually going to do that, though, is he? Like, no. he's never going to forcibly leave those kind of situations, which is exactly what he should be as Booker. Now, mm. you go back, would Bill Watts have done this? Fuck no. <laughs> like, any other Bookers throughout history, like, you know. There's a lot of things Bill Watts would have done, though, that we wouldn't want either, to be fair. Oh, Christ. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I, I think he'd take one look at the Bucks going on the top row and just go, nope, not for me. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, it's the thing with um, his man management. It hasn't been mm. good. 
it feels like it's far too casual. He hasn't put the proper barriers in place that kind of almost separate him. But then I don't think he should be booking this on a week-to-week basis. Mm. That's part of your your issue as well, is, is, is like, it's one of the things where they need to kind of almost, like I've said this for a long time, they need to kind of broaden it out in terms of who's booking the show. And it, it would separate himself from having to make those kind of decisions if it's, if there's other people there, like a ta- like a proper talent relations, somebody mm. who kind of gets the talent as well, but they might actually listen to. I don't know mm. if Christopher Daniels or someone is that person, but they have a lot of people with a lot of seniority in there. But it's interesting mm. also as well, given the Mark Henry comments as well about talking about punk being... Yeah, that too. Obviously, Mark Henry come out and saying that like in his view. And I didn't expect that. I just assume anyone who worked in WWE with, 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 uh, with punk would never want him to come back. But Mark Henry basically saying, yeah, he should come back. Um, doesn't Didn't want to talk about him as like a cancer in the locker room. Basically said, you know, yeah. he needs to come back and not in so many words apologise, but, you know, explain and it'd be good for business to, for him to come back. Um yeah, I did find that interesting, interesting timing that yeah, you know, Mark Henry would uh, would offer that take on it uh, on the great busted open radio as uh, as seen on Impact Wrestling. Uh, oh, yeah. well, hopefully we won't <laughs> spend too much time on that. But yeah, I mean, uh, no. with those kind of comments though, but if you look at him and you think, what the hell does Mark Henry do on AW other than that bit on Rampage? Really, there's nothing mm. else of a kind of like visual nature on there. But mm. should they bring him back, like? Well, if you're not sacking him and you're not punishing him, then it looks like you are bringing him back. You are setting it up to bring him back. He's doing it. He's out there with his cryptic tweets and everything else. It oh, feels yeah. like he's kind it, of set up for it at this stage. Mm-hmm. And he's got his little corner of the locker room, as you know, mm. uh, you know, uh, Brody King and Dan Hauser, and he's got his supporters, hasn't he? You know, he's got those, he uh, does. those guys as well. Mm. And they'll look as well and they'll say, like, this guy is a, like, when they signed him, if you think of the business, other than like, you know, one of the highest ratings ever, what will always be the highest ever Rampage rating, that's never being beaten. Um, mm. You know, in terms of ticket sales, in terms of pay-per-view, more importantly than anything else, like he has delivered on that mm. front very mm. tangibly. You know, if he comes back as well, they don't need to change the front cover of the video game. It's probably handy oh. as well for that. That's helpful too. Yeah, interesting. Like, you know me, big punk fan. I would, uh, you know, any possibility that he's coming back, I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump onto. But the impossibility of that happening with the Kenny moving pieces, mm-hmm. the books moving pieces, with this little sliver of new information, with just the way punk is moving, with Christian being back now. Yeah, I'm not ruling it out at all. <laughs> That's wild, considering where we were, you know, around uh, around November, December time. Um, but I suppose we should uh, we should move on uh, to uh, to other mm-hmm. matters. Which which you want to go to next, JP? I mean, it, related story. Ooh. I mean, our ROH yeah. uh, TV tapings. You want to get into some of the things we've uh, we've watched? Um, I suppose yeah. Let's stick on this on this point, like. If that makes sense to you, um, yeah. Have you seen the? Uh, and again, spoilers here. What the show notes uh, down in the uh, in the podcast description, folks. If you want to uh, skip over uh, this uh, segment where we talk a little bit about like ROH uh, being taped. Uh, are you excited for the mm. show on Thursday, JP? First off, um, airing uh, seven PM um, EST, which is at midnight our time, uh, out the way of MLW and Impact, mate. Um, yeah. So you know, at least there's a, uh, at least there's that. MLW, which uh, isn't on Peacock. Even though Reels <laughs> is on Peacock, specifically MLW is blocked. That's a brilliant. Oh, he's gonna. There's gonna be more legal action, mate. He'll be back in well, again. 
I don't know whether or not that'll be like you drop your lawsuit if we allow you to appear on reels on Peacock, and then they'll mm-hmm. might say that that's it. The uh, done big, done decent ratings, man. Out doing ramp, out doing um, out doing rampage. Probably not that far away from it, but um, out doing impact and New Japan on access. So you know, <laughs> say on that. But in terms of Ring of Honor, am I am I excited mm-hmm. by it? Um, I'm curious. I'm curious to see the presentation. Now you don't really get that from seeing just the what kind of matches. The matches that yeah. are on there generally are the kind of matches I probably expected. Mm-hmm. And some of the talent on there is kind of the talent that I expected. The idea of top flight. To, an- to answer Simon, by the way, no FTR on these uh, these tapings, which uh, adds to my conspiracy theory that uh, FTR and Punk are coming back together and all this complaining he's doing on his podcast is uh, is all like in the all part of an elaborate way. Yeah. But we'll see. Moaning about Observer Award not being uh, acknowledged on Twitter just feels like the world's moaniest work to me, even if it's yeah, yeah, <laughs> just but, an uh, obvious thing of him just bitching about all various kind of things like when he was doing a photo and it happened to have the edge of a WWE an ex, probably an old WWE contract or something in there it was just like obvious they are bait. punks boys through and through those last 100% they really are <laughs> and they're all Brett's boys mm. fundamentally underneath that mm. as well that's where they that's where they learn their shit Allegedly. from taking their character seriously um, but looking <laughs> at looking at the set the set looked mm. effectively exactly like the dark set if I'm going to be honest mm. Martha and mm. Jacob Cohen um, on mm. there, who was who, who was there? Who, who'd um, put up a lot, plenty of the spoilers on there. In terms of, there was a new Japan like influence on there as well. I say influence, but they yeah. had Zack Saber Junior defending the TV belt. Basically, um, Chris who's technically a new Japan guy. Is he? He's a new Japan USA guy. Kind he, of. He kind of is a freelancer, really, but he works right. New Japan. He works yeah. GCW, and like. You know, and he's he's done a few tapings now for Ring of Honor, and he appeared on mm. like one of the lot was it one of the Ring of Honor pay per views. I'm pretty mm. sure he was in like a pre show match, in like a six way or whatever. Um, mm. I think the big, like the thing I'm looking forward to most out of all of it is apparently we're building up to Eddie Kingston challenging Claudio at Supercard mm. of Honor. Um, again, mm. you know, we're in, we're in spoiler territory, and that for more. me. I think he is a fascinating character if they're going to give him proper time to kind mm. of go with on this, because it would be like the kind of person as a champion who would offer something completely different as well. Mm. It would mean Claudio would be being used on a bigger stage than this, which yeah. would be dynamite. And you're using Eddie Kingston. If you're not going to use him on AEW, then use him on Ring of Honor. Yes, it's smaller and everything else, and it is more limited, but at least you're using him. At least it isn't a, a feud with Ortiz, which has been oh sorry, him and Ortiz, which has been off with the House of Black bollocks, just all bollocks, mm. effectively. So it feels like that's a, a good step in the right direction. I think they're mm. wanting to do is it Wheelie Yuta versus Katsuyori Shibata at some point for the for the that's pure a direction. That's a good direction. Um, in terms of Athena, I don't know who they're building to there as well. I mean, I saw Aussie Open there. I think, mm. you know, what they do with the tag belts, we're not entirely sure um, mm. because they haven't they haven't said. And, and, and I wonder, you know, they'll be, I'd imagine they'll do something, a, a sort of super card of honour or like a um, a, Jay Br- a tournament in Jay Briscoe's name that crowns the next Ring of Honour tag, tag champions mm. there as well. So I think mm. rather than the matches themselves, I'm going to be interested in the presentation, in the layout, some of yeah. the people it looks like they're pushing, I think, 
suggest that that's good and a bit more interesting. I think if they go all in on top flight as being a big tag team, if you talk about opponents for Aussie Open, Aussie Open top flight could have some real good low-key bangers, couldn't they, between them as well. So I think, mm-hmm. you know, you look at this, like I, I'm probably cautiously optimistic as long as it doesn't mm-hmm. drag mm-hmm. like I have done. Talking. <laughs> no, it's, it, it's one of them. It's, you know, you can't take too much from like spoilers, you know, so I've got an image up there of what the, uh, what the set looks like. And I'm not sure, <laughs> none of that stuff's going to be a shock because we've seen the pay-per-views, haven't we? We know what Tony Khan's mm. ROH looks like to a point. So, you know, I, it's just tough for me. It's like, how do you operate this? Because, like, you in an idea, it needs a reason to exist, doesn't it, really? Yeah. You don't want it to be seen as just, well, here's all the offshoots of, of AW proper. It's it's essentially dark. Here's all the people who aren't getting used properly. Here's all the bit part characters that, you know, you might you see Prince Nana every now and then on, uh, on Dynamite. Well, here's where you can see more of them if for whatever reason, you know. Not 2005 anymore, unfortunately. You, uh, you want to see him, um, <laughs> and, and I loved them back then. Not so much these days, unfortunately. Um, Julius like, smokes uh, on the other hand; he can come on down anytime. Oh yeah, give him a big comeback. I'll be made up with that. So yeah, I've got real mixed mixed feelings on it, really, because like, I, do I know realistically what you could do to make this its own thing? Like, I would like it to be distinct from AW. In an ideal world, it has its own roster. Like complete heart. Like what? What's the biggest thing we've all complained about with a brand split for years? It's not really a brand split because people float between you know wherever they want to be at any given time, and the WWE would never strip with it. I would have loved you know a Tony Khan quote unquote brand split like we've got here to be strict, and you know ROH guys are ROH guys, but then you have got the problem of you know Claudio disappears from you know TV in front of nearly a million people every week, you know, and that's uh, probably a negative when it comes to you know selling tickets for your your ROH or selling your on a club uh, subscription. So there's a there's a practicality to that. While I don't like it, I understand you know to a point. So I think as far as trying to make things different, if if that is the lay of the land, which again I don't love, but I guess that's the the reality of it. What else can you do to make this difference? I think there's some positive signs. Like, I am quietly looking forward to the show on Thursday. I like that Zack Sabre Jr. is involved. Um, I think that's that's a unique, yeah. you know, that's a unique selling point for the shows. I think the fact that, you know, you've got, you know, lots of, of guys like like that on the shows. You've got, you know, you've got your, um, well, that's my camera decides to work. Connors. <laughs> and young Bano shows up on the screen. Yeah, you've got your Clark yeah, Connors yeah. of the world. Um, you've got your dick. You know, you've got the fact that like Tim Thatcher's on the show. Um, like mm. that's something in itself. What a great flattering picture! It's uh, it's frozen on there as well. Brilliant. Oh, it is. Isn't it? Um, <laughs> I the, the, the my got, main. Go ahead, you main, go while I fix this. I was just going to say. I mean, the, my only concern would be is, as I say, cautiously optimistic because it looks kind of like like it could be decent. And I was always going to give the first month of these a watch just to see if it was something that I could fit into my rotation. Is it going to be worthwhile doing that? I don't see this lineup drawing people into honor club in droves. Mm. I don't see that being the case. If they're just trying to do proof of concept, ultimately with this is what, what I'm doing. What I mean by that is just show that they can do a ring of honor weekly show that Mm. is out there that they might be able to push onto another platform, whether it's, I don't know, it's on a bleacher or whatever. Just be able to put out yeah. there uh, at, at the same time, then it might well succeed in that. But it mm. needs to feel and look different. The thing that we can't tell with this is what is the booking like. 
We've seen matches. Yeah. That's the problem with the spoilers. And and to be good for the people, that they, they could have spoiled more about it in terms of winners and losses. I haven't seen who wins and loses, although you can have a bloody good guess. Is I've seen a few of those, yeah. What are the kind of storylines but- and angles they're going to be running? How is backstage going to look? Are they going to be doing... Is it going to be shot in the same mm. way the dynamite is? That would be like the real big mm. missed opportunity. Are they using Mike Mansory, who they signed for AEW to do mm. the production? Is he doing this? Because then... This is a real test of like, okay, you've got to make a second show, but you've got to make it look different, but not entirely dissimilar. So it doesn't, it's not off-putting to new viewers, to people who are more familiar with AEW and then going into Ring of Honor because they like AEW. So you don't want to distance them. You want it to look and sound like unique and be it be its own thing, you know, different like types of interviews, sit down interviews, that type of thing. You know, the UFC presentation yeah. we always talk about. Get away with that. It's not on a club. You know, TV ratings aren't going to be an issue. Take just, risks. All we want is an entertain and show it, but that's exactly it. Take some yeah. risks. And that's what like like I was saying then. That's what I like about the roster. I like that, you know, Tim Thatcher's involved and he offers something different. You know, some of the storylines we're seeing, you know, Mark Briscoe um, being involved in a TV title thing. That's a nice nod to the past with uh with Samoa Joe. The Eddie Kingston thing I was going to pick up on, like for me, that's massive. Like I think in an ideal world, whether I like Eddie Kingston challenging for the AEW World Heavyweight title, genuinely, yes. Mm. Like that's my ceiling for Eddie Kingston. You know, maybe I'm a I'm a high man on it, but I genuinely think he should be in that mix. And his booking in AEW the last six months has been pretty much a garbage fire. Like especially the fucking whatever the fuck was going on with the House of Black. But thankfully, I'm not going to complain. They've dropped it. They should have dropped it. But it's still bad. Um, what happened there? And the fact that he turned on Ortiz, and then we have never had any resolution. You know, it, it was the result of a really bad storyline that hopefully is over now. But like, if he has to be in ROH, he should be challenging for the ROH title. He should want that. He should want the belt. He should be Claudio's challenger. They should resume this story beat that they set up six months ago where you know he wasn't happy that Claudio came in and took the uh, took the glory in the Jericho Appreciation Society to feud and went back to that beef they had in Chikara in, in years gone by. Yeah, cook that to my veins. Give me more of that. Let's go. Like, Eddie in that role. ROH being Eddie Kingston's little playground, that appeals to me. You know, it was something that I should be getting on, you know, main roster AW, but I'm not getting on it. That's the type of stuff. And then it's about the sprinkling of guys and you want it to feel a little bit indie, a little bit fresh. Not too AEW dark, and there's a there's a mix of names on these spoilers that you know some give me some hope that it's going to be something a bit different, like the ones I just listed, and then some it's like, oh, really, Brian Cage is there? Oh, really? You know, a lot some of these dark names are it. Silas Young, is there? You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's names like that. It's like, yeah. oh, fuck's sake! <laughs> but yeah, it it's it's a real mixed bag these spoilers, and I'm genuinely interested in the show one day i, re- I mm. wish and i say this a million times i really wish this was on it went live on a club as soon as dynamite finished and it was like yeah quote unquote third hour rather than this uh reality show which you know we haven't really talked about today but as i'll just say it say quickly it's going to die a death folks there is no the reason total divas worked it was on a different channel and appeared to a different audience than WWE proper tv this is going to go the way of Roads to the Top and the AW Wrestling fan audience aren't going to stay tuned for it. Um, that I was going to die. Um, this would, ironically, ROH would probably hold that audience better, but maybe Tony Khan can pitch that um, in a month or two. Maybe that's uh, something he's got in his, uh, his backpack. Or maybe he literally starts to say the words Ring of and he gets thrown out the room by uh, TBS. There's also uh, that possibility too. <laughs> but, you know, well, if this was after Dynamite on Wednesdays, I'd totally be like, yeah, cool. I'm going to watch this hour now. I'm going to throw this on. I'm going to watch it. Um, 
Thursday's a solid enough slot for it. I'm going to be excited for the first week. Like like all of these TV properties, you know, there's only so much time in the day, so we'll see, you know, how quickly we end up uh, mm. dropping off on it. But, you know, I'd like to at least, uh, you know, have it be that extra bit of uh, enjoyable wrestling TV that, uh, you know, maybe above Rampage levels, I will, uh, you know, as far as uh, my engagement goes, would be would be a win for this. So, you know, I'm trying to go in with a, with an open mind. I would say... Just to, to push back on the on the reality TV side, there is one format. If they did it as a warts and all behind the scenes documentary of the oh, running of the company with a serious tone, then you're more into your kind of sports documentary stuff, like your Amazon All or Nothing series, that type of stuff. Then that would at least be a bit braver. If it's reality TV where we're following around Britt Baker and Adam Cole and they're going shopping. I'm having a house party and somebody forgot to buy the cake and now it's a drama. I mean, mum's yeah, and it's a uh, Ricky Sturt Tark stones up and it turns out they always think he's an arsehole and they have a pretend mm-hmm. fight out back or something like that. that then I'm done. Like, I don't want to yeah. fucking know a single other thing about it. I've got zero fucking interest on, on mm-hmm. that at all. It's, it's, it's ridiculous, but, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I look forward to seeing it. Although I do say this as someone who, like, I struggled to get in the wrestling. That we were, like, it was a quiet week, this one, for actual wrestling. And it's a struggle to get it in on those weeks. So it's like another two hours, bloody hell. So it better be good as well. Yeah, that is, is going to be a, a big, big uh, part of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're going to circle back around to uh, to AEW uh, in a bit. And uh, the actual uh, mm-hmm. Dynamite from last week and Dynamite uh, this week as we, uh, we head into Revolution. But... Got a few things where we've uh, odds and sods we've uh, we've watched this mm-hmm. week. JP, shall we? Uh, shall we start with uh, something a bit different, and we'll uh, we'll come back uh, come back around to it. Shout out to there yeah. for a reason, folks. Let's fix the format up. Let's uh, let's talk some other stuff. What what else have you uh, watched this week? What have you managed to uh, oh, to fit in? Of that, like so, I mean, of the big shows, we had the Impact show. But I, in some ways, I want to talk more about a match that I saw this evening, not long before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Um, if we're going into actual shows and. It's one I could have gone to. I'm slightly annoyed that I didn't now, having seen this. But um, mm. Rev Pro live in Birmingham um, at the Mill, I want to say, in Digbeth um, mm. in Birmingham, in the match between Will Ospreay and Luke Jacobs. Because yeah. I thought this was an absolute fucking banger. That's the selling point. Osprey in a. I feel like we. Ooh, I put the wrong button there. We might have. Uh, uh-huh. We might have. Uh, hello, mate. <laughs> we might have lost a few people there by talking about Digbeth and Birmingham again. Sorry to. Uh, sorry to Liam in the chat there. But as far as like best matches I've seen this week, like might be up there. So uh, obviously we watched Joe Kabashi on the Patreon side. But as far as current matches this week, like believe oh, the hype match folks. of the week. So I watched this as well. So yeah, so from, from that Rev Pro Birmingham show, uh, British Wrestling Spotlight is back, folks. Like I'd seen a couple of live reports come in uh, about Luke Jacobs and uh, and Will Ospreay like raving about it. You know, our friend Mark Buckley of the Must See Matches Project was raving about it on his Twitter, and I saw a couple of other people who were there live. You know, like the likes of Liam and uh, and Ewan in the chat who were uh, who were there live. I think Connor was there as well. Like all raving about this main event. And it was like, you know what? This feels like a throwback. Like I was almost it's part of me that was like, oh, I wish I'd wish I'd made that, like you say, miss I'd made that trip down to Birmingham on Sunday. Probably could have. Mm. Um now now that I really think about it. We were talking about it on the weekend show, you know, where you know, in another age, we'd have probably both uh, gone down there and uh, and met up, but Listen, folks, it's not 2017, 17, 2018 yeah. anymore, and we we don't make those long trips to Brit Res anymore. 
But it might be over-egging it a little bit. But I watched this, and I, same as you, came out thinking, I wish I'd been in the building for it. Like, the the idea that, like, you can get a, a match from whether you love him or hate him, one of the top three wrestlers in the world, um, in Will Ospreay, I don't think that's a stretch. You can go and see him in, like, a tiny little venue for RevPro, wrestle a young, up-and-coming Brit Res wrestler, like... That shouldn't be possible, but it is. And I was the same as you. I watched this thing and I absolutely loved it. Like, I'm not saying this is a five star match by any means. It's not. Um, if anything, it ends a bit messy, unfortunately, because there's a side story to this match yeah. in that Luke Jacobs clearly got concussed during the match because they do go at it hard. But prior to that, like this is a this is a four star match at the very least. Luke Jacobs is again. People, people are going to want to. It's a bit like the uh, the whole thing with it with Nick Wayne when he had the Osprey match, and it's like, oh, oh, Nick Wayne's ready. He's already like up there, you know. He going toe to toe with Osprey. It's like, no, you're watching a match where you know eighty percent of it is Osprey. You know, knowing what to do with this younger wrestler and knowing where to insert his spots because mm-hmm. he's been Nick Wayne and he knew how to work that match, and it was and it was great, you know. So there is absolutely you know that element to it, but. This is going to be a massively important match in Luke Jacobs' like career. Like he, we're going to look back on this one when inevitably Luke Jacobs is somewhere prominent. You know, maybe he doesn't end up being you know fucking AW champion or New Japan, you know IWGP champion or whatever. But he's going to be somewhere. You know that might be New Japan. Feels feels like a good fit for his uh, for his style. It might be somewhere in America. But we're going to look back at it and go, what was an important match and is coming up. And we're gonna point at point at this because again, he is not the finished article. Osprey is in there with like working him like putty, pretty much in this thing. But like, as far as just raw, pure, unadulterated potential, and we've been talking about it since the Ogden's put you know him and Ethan on our radar three, four years ago now. Like you can just see it. Like he's got the size, he's got the poise, he's got the presence about him. He went. To a fault, unfortunately, toe to toe with Osprey in this one. As far as like the hard hits went, he didn't look out of place. You know when he needed to be throwing those lariats and going back and forth hard with Osprey, he kept up with the pace, and it was just a really great story of Osprey giving him loads as well, giving him more than maybe Osprey should at this point, but like letting him look like a potential equal. And I was genuinely blown away by portions of this match. Now, like I say, there's the unfortunate finishing sequence where you can tell he's out of it, Jacobs. And I will say to Osprey's credit, Osprey does a great job of handling with kid gloves. Like, I'm not sure where the concussion happens or why. Mm. I just think it's one of those matches where it's a hard-hitting match and, you know, things happen. Um, But, like, after that point, I think Os- Osprey does like you know the world's safest tombstone as like a finish. And I know a tombstone sounds like a terrible thing to do to a concussed man, but we're talking like Undertaker to to Hogan at a Survivor Series '91 yeah. here. Like it's you know there's a fucking yard between his head and the floor, yeah. fully protected. And Osprey's trying to put him away, and you can tell Luke Jacobs is refusing to let the match end, which you know in 2023 maybe shouldn't happen. And then there's a point where Osprey, you know, eventually Luke Jacobs does seem to be back with it again. And they, they do, he does the Stormbreaker. And you can tell Osprey is like, stay down. This is the finish. You're not taking any more bumps. And Luke Jacobs kicks out. It's almost like a shoot kick out, isn't it? And, you know, that it's a weird moment, but it I don't want to say it adds to the match, but it kind of does in a little way. And then Osprey does like 
I know people think the uh, what's the stupid off with his head elbow thing he does. People think that's like a hidden blade. You know, yeah, the hidden blade, one of the most dangerous moves in the world. I think a big part of that because Osprey works it so well. But again, it's a hidden blade that's done safely. Jacobs gets his hands up and it's fine. And Osprey puts him out of his misery in the match ends. And again, I don't want to say it adds to the story, but it kind of does a little bit, but also kind of takes it away from it because you're, you're maybe genuinely worried for Luke Jacobs' safety. But as far as taking care of another wrestler, I think Osprey does an incredible job in those uh, those last couple of minutes. And as far as an overall match and an overall presentation, actually, massively memorable, going to be huge for Luke Jacobs. And yeah, it's a it's a pretty much an easy four-star match for me um, as far as Brit Res matches goes. And I can't really tell you the last time I felt that high uh, about a Brit Res match. Well, I think it's it's notable. I think you can add this one. I would say it's not as good as, say, the Ricky Knight Jr. match or the match with Michael Oku, which sure. were the other matches against the people around there. But again, the concussion. If it had that, if, if they'd nailed the landing, then mm. it would have... I, I think, think they're it, more seasoned than Luke Hardy. They are more, and they are more... That with them. Yeah. And this told like a fascinating story because we'd had the whole idea of him then being his kind of young boys at one point and then being turned on by Aussie Open that we'd kind of played and the commentary played into it as well. They kept on saying that he was like a schoolyard fight uh, as much mm-hmm. as as anything. There are bits watching this match where I thought, have I hit some sort of times two function on this? Because they're <laughs> be going at like an almighty pace. You mentioned about like the conditioning. Even though he doesn't look it, he has great conditioning. And, and, and like, you know, we'll come away this match talking a lot about Luke Jacobs because he's someone that we are really high on. It's just that what we don't want to see is falling for the same problems that a lot of the his, his contemporaries and slightly older than him have, have fallen into of going to WWE where your career ultimately stalls, they flatten out, they become a lot more disillusioned with wrestling and it becomes a case where... Like they never reach those kind of heights again. There isn't that with him, because like yeah. the like it was the way that they were looking at diving into each other from the very get go. Oh, it was just great as soon as as soon as you watch it and they're like waiting for the ring announcer to get out of the ring, and once she's out, mm. once she's out of the ring, they just go for it, and you're like, great. But mm. it was, um, you know, I didn't get to see the other stuff on the card. Um, well, I I'll mention that in a minute. Yeah, um, what it felt with this is, you know, we previewed these on the weekend show. And part of the reason I'd include them is, A, it wasn't necessarily much on that, that weekend, but we talked about the Cardiff show as well, which was on the Friday, before, which the entirety mm. is is up on Red Pro On Demand. And they're getting better for getting these shows up quicker, which is important for them to kind of... With the live stream in it, that's what that's what we both yeah. watched. It. Unfortunately, it does. It was snake bitten because uh, we were watching the last two hours of the... Yeah, that's what's up. It's the last two hours of the live stream because it shit the bed for the first couple of matches. I mean, oh. they don't... The thing the thing I'll say to Rev Pro's credit is they don't advertise these as being part of the service that you get in them live. They get to the building and then they try. <laughs> and try. if it works, it works. I like that. <laughs> I appreciate the honesty, really. I appreciate the, fine. Uh, the genuine attempt. Um, so yeah, that's the explanation there. That's why it's and- this. Uh, show is missing some, and they've got that. That's another point. They have the on demanders now on Vimeo rather than Pivot Chair, which is a com- made up with. Unfortunately, there's still yeah. a problem. But I, I don't know if you did this. I googled uh, rpwondemand.com, ended up on the Pivot Chair, logged in, realized it was the old one. I had to go searching for Vimeo. Yeah. Twitter's not exactly up to date with 
what this version of the show this was that was on. So I had to kind of figure it out for me. So I got there eventually. There's a two week free trial as well. So it's, you know, it's, it's not going to cost anyone anything if, uh, mm. if, if the, if the, uh, they do get it. Um, I did pay cause I'm a journalist just thrown out there, but, uh, you know, uh, we had, uh, you know, it, 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 it's, it's better. It's better than pivot chain. I've gone a long way around. So yeah. um, even if like, maybe they need to sort the, uh, the listeners in uh, it's search results. Um, it's, it's less less of a pain to watch. So what I got the impression of, of generally of these shows of their weekend, if you want to look at it in the bigger kind of context of the weekend as well, because I go with you, like four stars for the match, it's well worth watching. If they'd nailed the landing, you'd be up to like a 4.25 mm-hmm. uh, for me, like about, about yeah, that. Yeah, it's weird. And Does it add to take away that finish? Maybe slightly, maybe it'd be 4.25, but be it, cleaner, maybe. It probably would have been because it would have felt like a bit more kind of natural given how well that they gelled all the way up to that point. And Liam says, yeah, who I the think crowd I could see, a bit the art of concern. I think I could see Liam. I want to say he was, he wearing a check shirt that night um, in there. But you could see him in like the, the corner post. It was when he does this kind of almost super duper sunset um, flip power bomb um, from the corner that he does when he yeah, bangs Liam it down. Thinks that's where it is. Yeah. Which to that point, that's just a bump gone wrong, isn't it? There's no one's fault. It It just happens, you know, you bang your head. It's an occupational hazard with this, Mm. isn't it, as much as anything. But Mm. I like the idea of what they're doing, which is they headlined a smaller show with this, knowing that Osprey really is the draw, but they want to build Luke Jacobs. And Mm. I think this has been another kind of, you know, we've been on RevPro in the past about, like, there are these really good acts but they do live beyond Watford Gap. So maybe you might need to think of bringing them in rather than like, no, they only work up there in the North. It's like Luke Jacobs is a perfect guy to go with. And I think back when we saw him when he was 17, we saw him wrestling for Future Shock and it was just like, mm. this lad's good. It was a match against Chris Ridgway. Um, mm. Obviously he's one of, one of their trainees as well. But I think this, it was like a good, it was like a, you know, you had this big star and he was giving like the kind of closing match like kind of promo stuff as well, which he appeared to be really enjoying um, Osprey. It's... But it was, it gave a good fan experience. These small venues where you're seeing, like you say, one of the top three wrestlers in the world, mm-hmm. um, having like putting a shift in on a small show in Birmingham, which mm-hmm. next time Rev Pro comes to Birmingham, it's not going to hurt them having kind of led with a match like this. They're, they're, because they realise as well, actually, there are some talented youngsters they can go with on there as well. I know you'll probably mm-hmm. talk more about you'll talk. I think you saw Mike Loku versus Gabriel Kids, didn't you? Mm-hmm. As well. Mm-hmm. But there's stuff around the undercards that look good. I looked at the Cardiff show and it looked like it sold quite well. It looked quite it was it was different because it's much wider hard can that they had there, but they had the the crowd there there for it as well. And it looked again, looked quite good. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, they're the ones who are expanding, but they're doing it in a way and they're doing it with talent in a way that you kind of get where they're going. Like you'd have faith at some point that Luke Jacobs now is entering that mix where he's behind say a Ricky Knight Jr. And a Michael Oku. uh, But he's at that point of one of the young guys that they're going to be going with in the next few years. And that's That's what you, that's where he should be at this point in time. Exactly. You know, you can over push him and make him your super heavyweight champion, or you can have some patience. And when it pays off and he gets a big match like this, which he rightly loses, you know, it's a, it's a notch on the belt and next experience. That's what I appreciate about what Red Pro are doing at the minute. Like I think, and they've been quietly doing it for a while now. Like mm. our praise that goes back to the pandemic. pandemic yeah. Like those names you mentioned there, you know, Luke Jacobs, 
Ricky Knight Jr., who's in a weird spot right now with them, but I think it's a lot of it's a, a big, uh, big story to uh, to get him back into the main event picture. But mm. he's floating about. You know, Gabriel Kidd's you know coming in and doing great stuff with them. Michael Oku has been kind of established gradually, like over time. This just seems to be. I, I just respect the way they're doing it. That it's kind of like this slow bleed. These guys are getting credibility from working with Osprey yeah. and like that's not something that happens overnight you know you can you can fast track you know some bum to your main events um you know in a carnival outfit or whatever you want to do that some companies might do but like I think this pro this they will they're going to be selling these York Hall shows out you know they got the rumble one coming up um you know I think people are happy to just be back at live wrestling they don't run the run it too often there's usually an Osprey or a New Japan guy or someone like that in there to sell it. And then what you want is on the undercard, it to be peppered with these guys, these Luke Jacobs of the world, these Michael Okus of the world, mm. who should be higher than he is. You know, I've got a lot to say about him in a second as well. But these guys that like you're going to come away with and go, oh, fucking hell. Like I went there because Ishii was on the card, but fuck me, Luke Jacobs is good. And you'll yeah. mean it as well. Not in a way that like a two point five-star, you know, kid like us junior match on a on a progress, you know, card with, with, with you know, you would have certain people pretend, you know, is, is a level above what it is. And I know he was on this show as well, but he's got me blocked on Twitter, so I don't get to see his tweets. Mm. But like, anyway. <laughs> Channel my inner Joe, the meme wrestling stuff, doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't draw and it doesn't me. last. Authentically, no. you want to see people come through. Yeah, and also you respect a company more if they're building their own, much in the same yeah. way. Look, sorry for another crappy analogy, but here we are, Arsenal. Which I know Andy Quilden will like this one. I like this current Arsenal team because it's a combination of a combination. He's learned wisely not to listen to podcasts quite a while ago. But Arsenal would for the reason you, I respect you, Andy Quilden. You bring through your signings alongside some of your more established players. And you yeah. kind of prefer it more because when they make mistakes or it doesn't go well, you don't shit on them. You get that this is part of the process and they're going to be learning on the job. And you go, okay, that's what happens. It's going to be fine. Um, mm. And that's what RevPro have done is they've worked very, very hard over the last couple of years because they were decimated. But this is, comes back to NXT UK and what they did and, and have kind of decimated them. Um, yeah. Whereas... You know, you think of what did progress achieve over that pandemic period. They produced content, but who was built, really? Mm-hmm. And then you see the problems with where they are now in terms of, as a company, storytelling-wise, is they haven't got people who've got an organic connection to their core audience. And that's a big, big problem. Because at that point, then, you've got a kind of separation from where the fan... Can we say that, though? We don't watch their shows. Like, I think that core audience is lapping this stuff up. I don't think that's... Uh... Like, I, don't, I don't think it's good stuff, but I think the lap... Like, the you know, Lana Austin's over, from what I see. Like, you know, their stupid comedy... You're probably right. I don't see shows. a minute of it. So... Yeah. But it doesn't it's... seem to... I don't know. I Like, them expanding? Like, mm. I, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see, and I don't know that he's genuinely... How does it compare in terms of the when progress ran the tram shed in Cardiff? Mm. You know, is it a case well, where like are the Ref Pro shows that I'd imagine they're a more, lot more cost efficient? I'd mm. say that as much as anything yeah. else. This is a much tighter ship for it, yeah. and there's only really that one 
big star in Osprey, who obviously has a long, long history of both pro because that well that massively helps, doesn't it? When yeah. you, when you've got that, so that is, when you that got, is when you got the best one of the best three wrestlers in the world turning up, being able to wrestle a match for you, that does help. <laughs> it does. Well, I, I was going to say, you know, you mentioned there the. Um... The other match on the show that people have been raving about, you know, Liam in the chat saying they're Michael Oakley and Gabriel mm. Kidd. Finish to that one kind of got hurt a little bit by by Luke Jacobs genuinely getting hurt in the main events because the finish to that was like they did the Davy Richards, Eddie Edwards, you know, suplex spill to the outside without the uh, the the added um, Falcon Hour off the top or whatever they they did in that match. Um, but it was one of those where they, they sold it like it was one of those like they went hell for leather for fifteen odd minutes um, and basically battered each other to the point where they were both taken out. And that was kind of the story there, and they were equals. It's part of me that looked at it and went, is that a political finish? I don't know. You know, it's Gabriel Kidd got New Japan um, saying he can't lose to Oku or something. Or, or I, I doubt it. I doubt it. But it's probably more building a story because you could do, you know, a rematch yeah. on a bigger show, couldn't you? You come up. It's probably more that. Um, although it did set my uh, my alarm bells uh, ringing a little bit. But, I, you know, I, I think everyone who was there live who, who's raved about this one too would acknowledge it's not on the level of, you know, the, the main event. But it was a very good semi-main events as far as like a, a one-two combo. If you're going to parachute in and watch this show, definitely watch them as a one-two. Uh, it was another one. They started hot. I think I think Gabriel Kidd tried to grab the uh, the half Oku's half crab like at the start of the match, and then it went from there. And they worked on that. And they built on that as like a story, and it got higher and higher paced. And I think knowing what the finish was going to be, there weren't many slow moments in the match. You know, it was like paced. Really, really well as a as a really strong match, um, and yeah, it, I came out of it kind of thinking that's that's what you want, you know. Go, go back to like WWE pay per views of old. You'd have your top match, and then like you know, the, you kind of look at the semi final and go, you know, if, if Vader beats Sid here, I think Vader's going to be next in line for the title type of thing, or he's going to be like the next main event guy. You want like that second kind of level of match, yeah. you know, on your uh, on your big shows, and that's what this felt like, um, and it. It was. It was very good. Oku, I get frustrated about the fact that like this lad should be kick, is kicking on as far as a skill point of view, but like he should be everywhere. And I'm not talking everywhere in England. Um, I mean, he should be in progress, but you know that's another matter. But like you know, the fact that he did PWG and did the whole Jericho Appreciation Society thing in the in the big multi man got him a little bit of play. But then, you know, GCW were over here and I saw him in the crowd. Um, and, you know, and like Mania Weekend's coming up again. And it's like, is he going to be doing anything, you know, more prominent? I think he's going to be making, you know, return tips to America and doing PWG and stuff like that. But mm. he's one that I'd like to, you know, as much as the slow build of these guys has been great in, in Rare Fro, I think he can be their champion. I think we can get to yeah. that point where he's a name people know from the Osprey match and from these recommended matches that he's, that he's constantly had over a, a period of the years now that uh, he should be moving up, you know, whether that's promotion wise or within the cards um, that he's on. I want to see more of him because um, he's, yeah, he's fantastic. And yeah, he was great in this. Gabriel Kidd, obviously, you know, had the whole uh, issue uh, last year and, uh, and such, but it is, it's good to see him in the mix. He offers, you know, something different as far as like a credible junior to be on these, uh, these Rev Pro shows. And yeah, I thought that was a, a really stronger, you know, uh, semi-main event there. Um, I could have done without any, we can't, we can't do a Rev Pro talk without talking about the bar. Um, or if it's not the bar and we went live at the show, we talk about the commentary. Um, if you are listening, Andy Quilden probably turn off now. Um, <laughs> as podcasters, I'm, look, I need a new mic. 
100% of them, you know, our audio yeah. is not 100%. Um, you know, our internet connections have issues sometimes and make us not sound the air the way we want uh, We want our audio to sound at times. Year seven, eight now of just tick. I mean, I know it's not as simple as turn the commentators' mics down. I know it's more complicated than that, but there was literally a point when, I don't know if it was the suplex to the outside or it was another spot where... Quilden and whoever else was in the booth just both scream really loud and I had to literally mute me telly who is that loud compared to the in-ring and it's not just that it's loud, it's that it's breaking up because it's so loud and again, as a podcaster, we put out audio that hasn't been 100%, we're not the most professional podcast out there so we are throwing, you know, we are in a glass house here throwing stones but, you know, I'm almost like, I'm, I'm recommending these two matches and telling the world that you go out and watch them. And I'm also understanding the limitations of being RevPro. And the fact that this was even a live stream has to be applauded. But it really was hard to take some of that commentary in the semi-main event. It didn't feel so bad in the main event. Maybe I just tuned it out and got used to it. But good God, some of those high decibel levels were hard to hear. Um, but, you know. Yeah, indies are going to indie. You know that is that not true of every US indie? You know, they are. That, is, that is, it's a constant complaint, isn't it? So, and it'd be one yeah. of the things. Some negative there to uh, to earn our uh, you know our stripes. Yeah, I mean, I would say, I mean, there were the you know there are those kind of com- couple of camera snafus as well. But yeah, it's a, I, yeah, I, I expect it. For that, it's a small venue. They're having to try and do the live stream, see what happens. Like you say, the credit is actually attempt to do it because we've been on a long time about trying to live stream these shows and going, if you could live stream one of your York Hall shows, you're really onto something. You mm-hmm. like it, it's a it would be a it's a big feather in your cap to try and you know to be able to try and do it. I did think that about the commentary about term, terms of turning it down though, mm-hmm. as, uh, as well. Yeah, I did want to give a shout good. out though to the we did mention on the weekend show the Brixia Bone Breakers from Italy. Oh, I watched their match oh. against Greedy Souls from Cardiff. They were on this card as well. Mirko Mori and Nico Inververardi um, as well. Um, Fantastic aims. Oh, they are. I'll give them exactly. That. Um, and they looked all right. They're in a match show against Greedy Souls in Wales. This is the uh, Welsh tag team of Brendan White and uh, and uh, Danny Jones as well. Mm. So, yeah, looked quite good. I, I, I think we're still cautiously optimistic about where rev pro are and what it is that they're doing they're running more shows now they're doing sheffield again they're at stevenage it's much more of a kind of national company now mm. they are filling in those spots around the midlands it's not just we do london then we do manchester mm. and we don't really do anywhere else in between i think but it's going to come with issues because they're trying to do all this live stream it make it work on a cost-efficient basis. I, I just hope they do because it's the best, still the best place for a lot of younger wrestlers to kind of get showcased. I yeah, think it's, show- it's the Brit Rest promotion that production issues aside, you don't mind recommending to the world and saying, you know, yeah. People in America, people outside of like the the Brit Res bubble, you should check this out. And it's often, you know, a match here and there, usually involving Will Ospreay or at least one of the lads we mentioned earlier. But that's kind of, you know, if they can get that nailed as as a regular thing, it's only a positive for them, and it yeah. gives them a leg up on, you know, there's not there's nothing about a you know a, a progress show where I go, oh yeah, you know, this happened on the show, you, you absolutely need to go watch it or read the report or. You know, back in, you know, not that long ago doing Brit Res yeah. podcast, we were watching those shows and, you know, there was nothing I would say that about. I mean, even 
to give pro- progress a little bit of credit, they've got it. They have got Nigel McGuinness coming in, so uh, you know there is a there is that. So that 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 caught my eye, JP. I've got to say, as we talked about on the uh, yeah on the pre-show, the he's not wrestling though. So you know, um, can Rev Pro not bring him in, get him to do their commentary? Um, maybe that might be a solution. <laughs> the two problems there, uh, but yeah, there's just nothing about that 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 really interests me as a product. Um, it feels very insular. It's for you know, it's just a much smaller scale version of what it used to be, and those smaller scale fans seem to enjoy it for what it is. But yeah, Red Pro is something I don't mind recommending out there. And speaking of recommending, I've got to say, you know, Liam says in the chat there, Benno, say something nice about Birmingham. Really like the streets. Great, great group. Really like Mike Skinner. Fantastic. Um, <laughs> there you go. Ah, it's not that bad, Birmingham. Um, <laughs> but we no. should uh, we should should move on to uh, to all the stuff we've watched. Um, I was uh, hunting out some uh, some photos, so I didn't see the uh, the photo. <laughs> That's genuinely the uh, the reason. I'm sorry. I was trying to squeeze it in before we uh, we recorded here. Uh, I, I don't know. It was one of those impact plus pay per so I don't even think we need to spend oh. uh, any more time than we just spent on Rev Pro on it. But as uh, as a bit of a, a B story before we get into uh, into some dynamite happenings, JP, did uh, mm-hmm. anything strike you from this uh, this Impact No Surrender pay per view um, over the weekend? Uh, Friday it was, wasn't it? On, uh, on Impact. Plus. Yeah, it was on Friday. I, to be honest, no, not really. If I'm going to be truthful mm-hmm. about it, it's not one that of those it shows, was yeah. one of those shows. But we had our kind of doubts when we looked at the lineup. I think what didn't help with it, and maybe it was just me and this, but this crowd seemed dead. Like, and it sounded dead. And I found this show quite hard to watch, even if it had all the same, generally the same kind of components that I've kind of liked. Like I would say the best match on the show is the main event for me, Josh Alexander, Rich Swan, which I went four stars on mm-hmm. because even though I knew who was going to win and it wasn't really in doubt at the same time, I still mm-hmm. enjoyed it as a, as a kind of, match that kind of built quite nicely alexander wins looks like he's the good Mm. champion there as well but even the mike bailey jonathan gresham match on the pre-show wasn't that Mm. great to be honest with you it was fine Mm. i'm probably the high man Mm. on it i went like three and a half stars but i kind of was expecting more it just seemed like there was a lot Mm. going on for the time amount of time they had it. And the idea of it putting on the pre-show, which in theory is bigger audience, it'll attract more people in there. That'll be really good. We didn't have that. Like Mm. it it just felt like it was kind of, it was a match that happened between them. And then they ended up going almost straight to the pay-per-view and Bailey Mm. losing again. I was like, is is Bailey there for much longer? Is he going to be moving on? Because he can imagine there's a load of other companies who would want him. Frankly, at this point, mainly over WrestleMania weekend, mate. He's got about Mainly 16, over, yeah. again. <laughs> oh Christ, yeah, he's another one of those ones. But as a show, I thought this is one of the more sterile ones I've seen. Where, mm-hmm. like, there was some stuff on here that, like, but behind that, I just thought it was okay. Mm-hmm. Really, from a match quality point of view, there's some mm-hmm. storyline stuff where I'm like, oh fucking hell, that seems quite mm-hmm. bad. And yeah, in front of a dead crowd who occasionally go back to like a slightly worse camera shot, which showed Mm. some people there. Because otherwise you just thought it was just dark. You could have swore there was like 50 people there. Yeah. Much anything. And you're watching Joe Hendry there and he's getting like no reaction. (laughs) Him singing his song and stuff. And you're like, yeah. Mm. It's just... Yeah, yeah. I go... From what I saw, I saw the main event, I go three and a half on it maybe yeah. at a push 3.75 um 
yeah, it was one of them. The, the crowd didn't help. I thought it was a bit slow as well um, <laughs> until like Rich Swan starts kind of busting out uh, some of his big offense. But at the end of the day, I, did, I wasn't spoiled. I genuinely didn't know, but I also knew this was an Impact Plus pay-per-view and Rich Swan wasn't winning yeah. the, the Impact World title. So it yeah. felt like watching a house show main event in a lot of ways. And like that's the main thing I saw. It didn't make me desperately want to go back and, and watch the rest. I had designs on uh on going back and at least watching the uh the pre-show and uh and seeing uh seeing our boy boy speedball but uh, i didn't didn't get to that in the end and the bits i skipped through from the show it did look very skippable and you know uh looking at the, the ratings that are there for it nothing nothing standing yeah. out it felt like content for content's sake this one which is the first time i'd you know i'd, I'd probably say that about it about, about a fight show and um, it felt like that going in and from what you've just said there, and from from the bits that I've seen, it felt like a like a skippable one from Impact, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Unless you're a big fan of Buster Open Radio and wanted to see uh, Willie Ray and, uh, and Tommy doing a fight hell. over that, what a waste of <laughs> thorough waste of time that was! Like bloody yeah. hell, that was shit. That was mm-hmm. absolute shit. And I was there going, why is this on a why is this on a show? Well, I wouldn't have this on impact. Bully so Ray can throw coffee over Tommy Dreamer. That's why, you know, to extend a few <laughs> that big that no one wants. <laughs> like, it's so fucking rubbish. And then mm. trying to do like working. And there's a point where he's trying to tell off people heckling into the crowd. And I just think, given the stuff that you've said over mm. the length and breadth of your career, like, fucking mm. hell. I remember the ECW stuff you used to say at the crowd. I don't think, yeah, glass houses throwing stones and all that. It just felt very by the numbers. It felt like it was just like we need to get through this. And I think the problem is, is they've got enough good workers to make that kind of fun. Because we've seen plenty mm. of shows which are just like, look, they need to get, they've got it between one of their pay-per-views, an Impact Plus show. They're kind of looking to kill that. But that's still not stopping being fun. Mm. I think when you when you start a show with Frankie Kazarian versus Con, you're like, fucking <laughs> hell. Of Ascension like, fame, because yeah, we need, we need to capture that star power that he's got. <laughs> like, in a storyline where Sony Sammy Callahan's joined them as basically a replacement for Eric Young in some way, and he's just like, I don't care. On on mm-hmm. here, Joe Hendry and Moose in a kind of comedy hardcore match as well, mm-hmm. which was just like it's Joe Hendry is kind of lifeless for me in the ring. He's mm-hmm. kind of oh, yeah, as soon as the, yeah, as soon as that bell starts, you sit there and you go, oh, fundamentally, okay, I'm kind of bored now. You can like where I'm shocked Triple H hasn't signed him. <laughs> he feels like his type of wrestler. He's perfect. <laughs> Tall, like good body, bland in ring. Oh, <laughs> absolutely perfect for NXT. Yeah. And he's got an amateur career they can go back to in wrestling mm. in the Commonwealth Games on there. Mm. Um, I thought, I mean, it seemed obvious, like there was two things from the number one contenders match. Mm. That Steve Macklin winning, which I actually thought good. I don't mm. mind Steve Macklin because I think mm. they've actually done a decent enough job with him of taking someone who was like in WWE, didn't mean anything there, and they've kind of made him mean something here. He's like one of those projects that TNA Impact gets its kind of hooks into and do something decent with. So I was kind of happy that he won, even if the match was completely forgettable. But then he's in there with PCO, Brian Myers, and Heath. So I didn't go in there expecting him to kind of shock the world. I was just glad because it's something they've built to for a long time. Mm. Dare I say it, I wouldn't be that surprised to see him beat Josh Alexander, which I know sounds kind of Could mad, but I don't think that's the worst route for them to go. 
and people mm. might say, oh, fucking Steve Macklin winning it. And you just go, well, he's the kind of guy who's been there for a long time. He's done all the things that's been asked of them. He's done well in the bits that's been asked of them as well. Mm. And how long is Josh Alexander going to be there? I think him appearing on a New Japan show would suggest at some point that there is going to be, if he's prevented from doing, say, I know it's mad to say, preventing doing a G1 because he's impact champion and they don't want to have him losing and whatnot, then, you know, I I, I, I wonder how long he'll be there for because it kind of makes me feel like, you know, it's a record-breaking run. They're going to want someone to win and it's no use putting on an old lad to go back mm. to for it. You might as well try it with someone new. Dare I say it's Steve Macklin. Still couldn't pick him out of a lineup, unfortunately, no. but uh, I'll take your word for it. Um, <laughs> Josh exactly looked just uh, minor spoilers for Impact, just so there's uh, the follow up shows to, uh, to this. Uh, no surrender, mm-hmm. the, the block booked while he had the building. Wrestles Kenta on one of the, uh, the TVs coming up. That's uh, that's a little bit exciting. Title for uh, title. I know it's 2023 Kenta, but still, you know. Is this New like Japan the, Strong Champ? Uh, I think it's just for the Impact title. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he is, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Because she the Jonathan Gresham on there. Yeah, and this is where we get into... Uh, sound interesting. Um, this is where we get into the mm-hmm. weird world of the cross-pollination of all of these companies. Because if you're in New Japan Strong, there's a chance you could be appearing on Ring of Honor. There's a chance you could be appearing on Impact, mm-hmm. as well as your New Japan Strong bookings as well. So there's a bit more work there for everyone. Clearly for Kent... Like, Via Impact, Speedball Mike Bailey is working Will Ospreay WrestleMania weekend on a... Quote unquote New Japan pay per view. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. Like, On the multiverse you know, like thing. Yeah. 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 Which is sold out, like as well. Course, I mean, yeah. what, what you hope is sure. it's a decent production. That would be the big mm. thing, which I would say as well. Again, you know, they had issues with their miking, their te- technical side, because of obviously they've had a drastic reduction in budgets over the years on the TV side. At the same budget this podcast has got. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Budget at this point <laughs> for video and audio. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited for Multiverse matches. It's up there. Like that match, Osprey, mm-hmm. Speedball is probably my most look forward to match Mania weekend. It's on the same night as Bloodsport, which is probably most look forward to show. Mania weekend's starting to, uh, to pad out a little bit. Look forward to doing a, a preview mm-hmm. on that. Um, a little bit, yeah. More excited about that than I am the Mania card, other than, you know, getting to see uh, King Cody uh, be crowned. Um, but uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll... Jay White appearing on there? Uh, could be, could be. That could, uh, mm-hmm. that could, uh, uh, that could turn me, that could turn me. But um, I suppose uh, moving uh, moving from uh, from there, unless there's anything else in impact, I do want to see the... Um, there's that, yeah, uh, the that tag, tag match. match that Simon mentioned. Simon's gone to bed now, but uh, Gresham Bailey v. Mode City Machine Guns from impact. I heard a lot of praise about that. So yeah. if I changed up anything from this... Uh, this period it'll uh, it'll be that tag but yeah if you've got nothing else from uh from impact shall we uh, we circle back background to the the weekend uh, in AEW, at least from uh from a tv point of view uh mm. i'll start where we don't normally start just very quickly rampage and um, there's only one segment from that i want to talk about um but as much as i'll slag off the young bucks and kenny in there and some of their shenanigans on shows recently uh very much enjoyed the opener to Rampage. Um, they had um, the, the the books against the uh, Aussie Open, which was a uh, nice to see. Good link to the ROH story we mentioned earlier. Aussie Open were on the ROH tapings, so yeah, you know, I, I honestly think that's what happened. Tony Khan saw the um, 
Mark Davis complaining on Twitter about not getting uh, booked as a tag team with Kyle. I was like, I'll have you. Brought them over, put them in the Dynamite uh, Tag Battle Royal that we can uh, we can mention briefly in a minute, and then also uh, use them uh, on Rampage and use them on the, uh, the ROH to TV taping. So I'd like to see more of that. Um, but yeah, just quick note, like Aussie Open and, and Young Bucks, I go 3.75 stars on it. I wouldn't go, might not even go as high as four. Might just be it's a promotion that has killer matches all the time, so it's hard for stuff to stand out. But even with that faint praise said, it was it it, it was very enjoyable. It was it was cool to see Aussie Open go back and forth, you know, with with the young bucks and be treated like you know a serious uh, prominent tag team. I'd like to see more fleshing out of them on the shows. I'd love to see maybe a personality piece or two, maybe um, you know just something that explains who they are rather than uh, the Osprey's goons. But as far as Bell to bell and the, the in ring that they've they've provided in AEW in their uh, limited uh, number of matches they've had in AEW, it has been bangers every time. Um, mm. Yeah, I think they'll be making uh, making some fans as you open. It was uh, it was it was just nice to see you know them getting uh, getting that spot there. You know, other things you can say about uh, Rampage aside. Um, yeah, it was a really uh, really fun fun little uh, match from Rampage this week. Don't get me wrong, people aren't going to be including it in the match of the year ballots at the at the end of the year and uh, especially in a year that's been as stacked as this going forward. But yeah. Fun little TV match if uh, if people haven't uh, checked it out from Rampage, but I don't know I can feel the green monster coming here because I know JP's not a uh, J- Rampage is JP's uh, swear word. Yeah, it's like red rag football. Um, no, <laughs> hey, JV. I, I, I will I will avoid my usual like <laughs> boring complaints and everything else. I, I I think like you say he saw an opportunity for booking Aussie Open, and I've said this before as well. Mm-hmm. They would be a good pickup just in the sense that they've expanded their TV in Australia. And mm. it would be good to have some more talent from that region. Mm. And Aussie, a team called Aussie Open is probably about as obvious as you kind of get for it um, mm. as much as anything else. So the fact that they're getting used, the fact that they're, that they're on the radar, so if they're not going to work New Japan and everything else, then like we're at the point where, you know, okay, this is going to be, you know, a possible landing spot for them as well. Mm. I mean, would WWE would look at them? I think mm. they'd look at the fact that Carl Fletch is a lot bigger now, mm. and think there's enough. There's enough good double team moves as well, and mm. they might do. You know, give them that kind of proper facility, sort of make their look a bit better and things like that. That would be the kind of stuff I could see them doing. But in terms mm. of the rest of Rampage, I mean, <coughs> I mean. It followed a pattern, but I think I didn't see the main event. I saw Axon Andretti versus Sammy Guevara, and I probably just went, no. I just thought, I don't need to see that. I'm just going to guess who's who's one. No one needs to see. The only, the only scenario you need to see Axon Andretti is on AEW this week because it was genuinely hilarious. Um, but that wasn't necessarily because of him. Um, <laughs> big fan of AEW over here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, a, it's an interesting kind of week for them isn't it for AEW because obviously we've got the run up into um into um we've got the the run into revolution so Mm. what kind of position are they going to be in now from a ratings perspective they'd say oh you know did over a million in this last week and everything else but there was no NBA I think that's the the big kind of note about that as much as anything else I think we said on the weekend show when we, we spoke about it not a great show like by any stretch of the imagination, like we've had a- better. <laughs> it's the answer. Yeah, it? it was better. 
it's one of them it's like you know i don't want to go over stuff like, over delivered i thought mm. well i wasn't excited going into it but mm. orange Cassidy wheelie uta kind of was, was yeah was really good i'm enjoying and i think there's gonna be more of it on ring of honor wheelie uta is a dick is a great mm. they're tapping into something there because he is that might clearly, be better for him as a personality oh absolutely and if there's no reason for the blackpool combat club and it's a good and there's a good storyline reason for the twist is he joins like a, with a group of bullies basically or who mm. promote a very bullying wrestling style and it changes him and i don't mm. think that's any like kind of and he's and he's going to show whatever kind of ruthlessness he needs to get to the top and i think it works well um for for him necessarily i thought evil uno john moxley kind of over delivered for for um yeah but why? Although the blood stuff was ridiculous. But I was why? laughing by the end. Why? And that's it. We're not. We're not. We're not. Like we are absolutely not the podcast that is asked about blood. Like I, yeah, give me oh, blood in wrestling. Absolutely. Give a shit now. But like I, I did see like this pushback of ah well whatever it it got over it got Eva Luna over so what's the problem with bleeding in the match? And it's like yeah, but you know every every episode of Sopranos could have had a murder in it and. It would not have been as good as Sopranos because Sopranos was good when the murders weren't happening every episode. And you know, there was a well, you couldn't predict it, the murders. It's anything, it's anything in life. Like there is a obvious, like I've seen it simplified down to this idea that, well, just because Evil Uno bled doesn't mean that, you know, say hangman bleeds, that it's that it that it's gonna, you know. That, that, that people aren't going to react to Hangman. I say, yeah, people are still going to react to that individual moment, but it doesn't take a genius to work out that obviously there's going to be an overall effect and the novelty of blood does get worn down a bit. Like, And I say a bit, it doesn't make it completely pointless. It doesn't, you know, make a massive difference in individual cases, but I think it does make an overall thing where, a, the, you know, a dramatic beat isn't going to hit as hard when, you know... CM Punk gets bloodied up by MJF or, you know, a, 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 a big turn happens and a heel bloodies up as, you know, his former partner, like, or a big drudge match happens between John Mox and Howard Page, for example. And, you know, they both do a gusher and it's like, oh, I remember when that happened. Like anything in life, like say Sopranos is the best example. You do it every week and it's going to lose a, a degree of its novelty. And I would just question the wisdom of doing it with Evil Uno. Like I... I'm absolutely the low man on this match. I recognize it. I'm the grump. Everyone out there seemed to enjoy this match. You enjoyed it. Um, like people like this. I'm not going mental over it, though. Congratulations. I will say congratulations, fans sarcastic. I'm happy for you that you enjoyed it, folks. I just I I didn't think people who know offered anything this match. I think he did the he did a flip and he bled. And I just don't think, I just don't think it was a seven or six or seven minute match. I think people are being worked and it's probably good by the blood and being like oh yeah what a gutsy performance oh, wasn't it he really showed out did he i don't think he did and i don't think like oh great he showed out what next what's what what else is he gonna do like he could literally not appear on tv for the rest of the year and it wouldn't matter because like he, he hasn't he, he hasn't got anything to offer i don't think outside of maybe the tag team which do grayson he looks like shit he's indie as anything and he's got a shite campy gimmick. Like, I just don't need him on my telly. And I just don't feel like it's a waste of time. If if that moment did get over with people doing it with Evil Uno. Maybe I'm a grump. I accept that. Throw your rubbish at me. Give me shit. Whatever. 
Um, I just didn't like it. I didn't think it was, you know, appropriate. Really, and I love the, I love the, I love the post match, the hangman stuff, and all that. So we got to a, got to a good place at at the end, but I just wouldn't have booked it. Um, and yeah, I wouldn't book Evil Luno full stop. But you know, that's just me. Um, but I've said my piece on that anyway. I've been, uh, been holding off on that for a week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> elsewhere on the show, any uh, control left? Jeff uh, moving to the the Revolution four way. Um, should never doubt the mate. Uh, it probably shouldn't be a, a given that he it probably was the right call coach with Jeff Jarrett. Uh, remember that stacked AEW tag division they used to have? But given the teams involved outside of Aussie Open, it's probably the choice. They got history with uh, the acclaimed and uh, and the guns and stuff. So fair enough. Um, and look, in a, I agree from a broad strokes point of view, if you'd have told me six months ago, Jeff Jarrett might potentially be AEW tag team champion or be beating all these teams. I might go, that's a bad idea. But you've got to judge it based on what's on front of you. You've got to be fair. I think I am a fair man. You've got to be fair and say Jeff Jarrett has delivered every single time he's been on AEW TV. The team with Jay Lethal has been surprisingly entertaining in a vacuum. This wasn't a bad decision. I'm fine with it. Let's see what they do at the pay-per-view. Yeah. I mean, I would throw my usual point of there are two of these mm-hmm. tag team battle royals in consecutive weeks. That's not yeah. a good thing. That's we'll not a strong a thing yeah. to, to, to kind of promote yeah. on, on this one. And I, and I hate these kind of things. I even hate it when they do their casino rules as well because they're just bullshit and don't mm-hmm. matter a toss on here. I think the way they've worked Satnam Singh into it is the thing that seems to be going. <laughs> and he seems to be wrestling more and things like that. And it's like, I don't trust okay. them at all. But I did I love the bit where they both fell back the... and then he pushed them back up on there. And you think, yeah, that's what he's there for. He's it, that's that's well, a would you goody... be shocked if he dropped them? I wouldn't have. <laughs> I don't trust them. No. He looks like he's got no athletic ability. And I guess we saw the documentary, he comes across as a nice bloke, doesn't he? At his core, he seems like he, he seems Satnam Singh like seems like a seems like a thoroughly nice bloke on there as well. But yeah, yeah, there's you know again we'll see what the numbers are this week with I'm assuming NBA competition on there as well. But they they'll be happy with the rating. They spoke about it a lot. Warner Brothers Discovery, as with all these things, very happy in the room. So probably cancel them in three weeks. No, <laughs> Gareth called it. It was going to be an unpredictable week that did well, yeah. and it did. Um, as for this week, you know, go home for the pay-per-view uh, that we've got, which unbelievably is this week. We'll be doing a big weekend preview of the, uh, the pay-per-view on the yeah. uh, on the Patreon side, patreon.com slash grapple if you uh, you want that at the end of the week. But we still have this dynamite to go, so I'll, I'll throw the uh, the card at you, uh, JP, see what you think. We've got uh, a couple of talking points as well um, uh, as far as stuff that's going on right now. We have the Face of the Revolution rather match, uh, Sammy Guevara. Action Andretti, Powerhouse Hobbs, Eddie Kingston, AR Fox, Takeshita, Commander, and Ortiz are uh, in that one. So that feels like a match that was absolutely, considering it's called the face of the revolution, was going to be on Revolution, but they've realized they got an Ironman match in the main event, so it's uh, it's not made the cut. I like that. Good stuff. Fine um, with that. Absolutely fine with that. Commander's there because they didn't get Vikingo in. That's what I'm assuming. Uh, when's he coming? One of that, that's something you can do with Kenny. That'd be that'd entertain me. No, they, well, uh, they've allowed him to appear on fucking other people's streams. Jesus. Oh, there you go. Make progress. Uh, Casino Battle Royal uh, for the final spot in the four-way tag match. Uh, any interest in uh, and who might win that one? Apparently, I think Ozzy open back for it. Apparently, Ozzy open back for it. There you go. They're getting yeah. crap. Um, they're in there with Penton and Phoenix again, Butcher and the Blade, Rush and Preston Vance, Dante and Darius. 
Uh, Matt Menard, Angelo Parker, Trent Barretta, Chuck Taylor. Mike Taven, Matt Taven and Mike, Mike Bennett uh, are in the mix as well. Mm. Uh, I, I mean, it's surely got to be whoever the uh, as the Joker team is. Which I was going to say. Probably going to be FTR. The, assum- the assumption is FTR, but I'll be honest, I don't know if it will be FTR. I say I don't really know who it would be, but I, I don't. It feels like a very uninspiring way to bring them back mm-hmm. in terms of a tag team battle rule. There's probably some more juice they could get with them. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, outside of that, I couldn't really. I might be relying on people in the chat to tell me of, of uh, who possibly that else they could be bringing in there. That seems like the obvious choice. Yeah. Outside of that. I don't see a plan B. I don't see I one. Don't. There is one. <laughs> Well, I, would, I would say, like, put a top flight in there. That would be an interesting mm-hmm. move. However, it looks like top flight and the kingdom are going to be doing a program and ring of honor. So I could see them eliminating each other in order to build towards that because they've got singles matches on the TV tapings between, um, like the two teams. Claudio and you are no Russian Preston Vance. I know who Darby Allen Sting. You heard it here first. Where have they been? I'd be well all right if they got involved because it would just mean that four-way tag match would be mental in points. <laughs> Sting and Jeff going back and forth again. There'd be history with the guns. There's history with the, obviously, there's stuff around the acclaimed as well. Didn't mm. they, they, had, they had like some stuff with, like when they were heels, the acclaimed stuff with mm. Sting and Darby Allen. So mm. I think that's, a, that's not a bad shout, that one. Uh, Orange Cassidy and Big Bill for the All Atlantic title is what it is. Um, Stokely Hathaway will continue to uh, entertain the 50 people on Twitter he's, he's aiming for. Um, uh, MJF Brand Anderson will uh, speak ahead of their match at a. I'm just bitter he doesn't follow me. MJF and Brand Anderson will speak ahead of their uh, title match at AW Revolution. Um, we didn't talk about that when we. Uh, didn't they do that last week? Yeah, yeah. It's just gone on very long. There's a it's great to have long builds, isn't it, to pay-per-views, but this one like I said last week, and I'm gonna I'll save me big talk on it until the match happens, but it's been a weird building that I've enjoyed many elements of it, many matches, some of the promos. Um the MJF won this last week about you know his real life um breakup of his uh, relationship uh, his engagement uh, was an odd one how many Joker origin stories can MJF fit into one character is that, uh, has he actually character. separated from his girlfriend is that, I'm yeah it's true it was, right. a shoot. it was a shoot but he loves that doesn't the MJF the reason I'm so evil is I was bullied at school the reason I'm so evil is that you're a family man and I don't have a family he's always coming up with something isn't he it's a, in fairness MJF, his own mum slags him off on social media as well so. yeah I said this in our group chat this week, though MJF strikes me as about who spends the entire week between Dynamites thinking of content for his promos, and that is both great and sometimes overwrought. Um, I'm not yeah. sure where I land on the uh, on the on the on the girlfriend thing, but you know, it, it worked in the moment, and there's been a lot of that in this story. Am I interested in the overall? Still not 100 percent on it, and I don't know why. Can't put my finger on what it is. I can't blame the fact that Danielson doesn't want to be world champion anymore because he keeps saying he wants to be world champion. Maybe I don't believe him. I don't know. But there's just something about it that just maybe it's the threat of the Iron Man match at the end of it, is what it is. But we're gonna get a, another promo battle on a, on Dynamite this week, JP. I'm sure you're excited. Right. Yeah, another one. <laughs> as we're looking to kill time on there, but it's Love. mostly been good, you know. Mostly, yeah. I don't know what it is. It's Why just am I slightly not drunk? It, it almost is it because needed... MJF's going to win, and there's no doubt. It, it is, is. That what it is. Yeah, maybe that's part. And of the it. whole thing is it. It feels like it's a 
it's testing a theory. Mm. Can can he do like a 60-minute match in a credible way which makes him look like he is like a proper wrestler and we're not just putting it to him. We're not giving him the title because he's the most entertaining character we have and delivers yeah. killer promos. It's a very sort of overt attempt to do that, which on the whole, and I might shock you here, I think he'll end up doing better than what a lot of us expect. Throw that I think that's in. written in the stars. It's like the almost yeah. Lesnar thing. It's probably going to be better than we expect, even if we've yeah. got low expectations. But this obviously, yeah, I, no, I agree. He's no slouch. He's no slouch. He'll he'll hold up his end, um, most likely in the end. Um, Hook versus Ma- whether whether he can for an hour, we'll find out. Hook versus Matt Hardy <sighs> is on the show. Fucking Why? hell! What is yeah. it for? Hook's contract? Is it for Matt Hardy's contract? Is he joining the Hook? The the Sinertia family uh, unit, whatever the fucking contract. I'd join that family. Were. Sounds like a fun family to be part. Of. <laughs> it does. Um, it has around the place. Good old Pete, Tony Storm and Riho. Because um, yeah, the the title match uh, this uh, page of you is going to be Tony Storm. Not Rio, uh, who's from like Leeds, who took a ridiculous bump for ICW. Which oh, was... on that progress show. Jesus Christ! Oh, was... no, ICW, oh, was ICW square go, square go, mm. mate. Come on. Um, you could know that above all else. No, it's not that Rio. Uh, okay. Oh, it's god awful. Music, Rio. Oh. Yeah, you didn't mention Chris Jericho versus Peter um, Avalon. Did you mention it? Yeah, I was going to go back to that Chris Jericho Peter Avalon as the as one to talk about. I was just going to say briefly, yeah, Tony Storm's not in the uh, the women's title match. That is inexplicably Soraya who uh, got carried to a ma- carried through a match by a nineteen year old on Dynamite last week. Not looking forward. Bad to vibes, but yeah. winning the title, mate. Oh, it's going that way, isn't it? Poor Tony Storm. She's the bee. Think of the heat. Think of the heat. What um, And yeah, you're right. Jericho, Peter Avalon, uh, which I was saving just because I kind of thought, yeah, there's a bit more, there's a bit of meat to that. Um, Peter Avalon, you know, trying to take the uh, the Ricky Starks open contract last week and uh, now going into a match with Jericho. We'll probably mow through him, but uh, there's, uh, there's something to that. Yeah. I mean, it's not, necessarily an awe-inspiring like build up to the like well it's not the final go home show there'll be rampage as well but it'll probably bear no resemblance to the show given where the rampage normally is it'll just be a series of gotta save those pops gotta save save those those pops pops. indeed so uh, but uh, will it end up over delivering possibly i think it Mm. depends on what they do with the tag team um the casino battle royal to be honest to you and what's what is going to be there as well i mean the the face of the face of the revolution ladder match thing, I I don't quite know <laughs> where that prediction. fits into it. Who it, I don't I'll think say, they're doing a match at the show. I think it's going to be for future no, days against Joe. Personally, powerhouse Hobbs, mm. someone I've been keen on for a really long time. Have him get him going. Mm. The other, all the other people in there, even like Takeshita doesn't need it. Kingston's in going to be in Ring of Honor. Ar Fox, you know, doesn't need to be isn't going to be anywhere near that level. I don't see anybody else in there. That was the, the big, the mega star that is action Andretti. That we all spoke about. He made a star. I think he's going to turn heel. I think he's going to join the general yeah. free chief society. That's my little prediction. for the And he won't mean anything. He'll be like scrappy dude. <laughs> Just have him oh, impersonating Jericho wearing the same jackets and saying, yeah. <laughs> oh God, that's another one. Yeah, I know. It's an awful oh, idea, isn't it? Awful. Well, then, there you go. That's uh, that's Dynamo for this week, and uh, that's your show. Um, covered uh, covered, mm. covered a lot there, uh, JP. Um, anything we didn't cover? Anything else you want to, to uh, mention before we we get out of here on the main show and do a, a quick post show for our patrons? Very quickly, I saw um, Eugene Nagata versus Kento Miyahara. 
which oh, okay. involved a 50 year old man winning uh winning a major japanese title again but he's one of the good ones yuji because he works mm. and it was um and you can get it it's pretty much out there on youtube as well if mm. you, you want to go go ahead and watch this it's like 30 odd minutes it's a kento miyahara main event he comes out mm. he warms the crowd up they spend a while getting into it he has quick bursts of pace <coughs> pardon me yuji nagata though i thought was um was very good um mm. for uh, given his age it may reek of desperation. He, what I, you know, didn't see this happening. It was when we were previewing it. It's like he's fucking all Japan champions. Jesus, good enough match. Pitt will draw on a good enough house. Kento will probably beat him on a bigger show, um, like kind of building up perhaps into the summer. You know, it, it probably won't mean anything in the scheme of things. But all Japan is appearing to be appearing in that wider sphere of wrestling that. We've got Noah and New Japan doing stuff and overtly lending people. You know, there are people sort of moving between the, the two companies and all Japan kind of fit into that space as well at times because mm. let's face it, Yuji Nagara is as New Japan as, as you kind of get bar Tanahashi. So yeah, it's a match that's well worth uh, going out to see. I mean, I'd, I'd go like 3.75, but he's like in his early 50s for fuck's sake. He's no right delivering matches like that. He got written off, didn't he, with the rest of, like, not even his generation, just he gets, he gets slumped in with the old lads, doesn't he? And it's never sat right with him, has it, when you hear him ah. in interviews and stuff that get translated. He's like, I'm not done yet. Come on, lads. You can, it's true. You can wheel me out with the, uh, the cripples, you know? Yeah, like him, Kojima, you'd say Shigura mm. in, um, in Noah as well. They're like, mm. there's value there because they appear to be professionals who care about their craft. Mm. Definitely. Well, yeah, there we go. Well, speaking of professionals Ooh. that care about their craft, uh, we've uh, just uh, clocked in there with uh, a solid uh, couple of hours of spotlight there. If you want more, hey. uh, the, pre- the full pre-show is available at uh, patreon.com slash grapple, as well as all of our dealer's choice stuff from, from the last month. Um, we'll be uh, having a few days uh, off uh, on the Patreon side. I say that, we've got a big weekend show on Friday. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, the AW pay-per-view, so not that much time off. And uh, hopefully we'll have uh, we'll have Gareth, uh, as was revealed on the pre-show, um, on, the, uh, mm. on the, uh, the show next week to uh, review um aw revolution but yeah to get that stuff live in video daily updates all of that stuff patreon.com slash grapple wouldn't that else to plug us ajp no that's it just yeah patreon.com forward slash grapple awesome well thank you folks have a great evening and we will catch you again sometime soon bye see ya Original pirate material. You're listening to the streets. Lock down your aerial. Has it come to this? Original pirate material. You're listening to the streets. Lock down your aerial. Make yourself at home. We got diesel or some of that homegrown. Sit back in your throne. Turn off your phone, because this is our zone. Videos, televisions, 64s, Playstations. Web Henry with precision. A few herbs and a bit of Benson. But don't forget the Rizzler. Lean like the Tower of Pisa. These are Oasia, and this is a day in the life of a geezer. For this ain't a club track. Pull out your sack and sit back. Whether you white or black, smoke weed, chase brown or toot rock. We're on a mission. Support the cause, sign a petition. Summon all your wisdom. The music's a gift from the man on high, the Lord and his children. Triple T, Miru boys. Come rain or snow, the Buddha flows. If you don't know, stand on the corner, watch the show, because life moves slow. Sort your shit out, then roll. 
Cashback is not available on gas in New Jersey and Wisconsin. Hey, good morning. You're heading the airport, right? Yeah, thanks for checking. I like the car. How long have you been a rideshare driver? About three years now. I really enjoy it. Isn't it hard to make money these days with the price of gas being so high? Not for me. I use Upside, the free app that gives you cash back for every gallon of gas you buy. Wait a minute. Are you saying you actually get real money back when you get gas with the Upside app? Yep, I get real cash back every time I get gas. Does that actually add up to anything? I'll make around $200 to $300. Wow, that's serious extra cash. I'm downloading the Upside app now. Download the free Upside app now to earn real cash back every time you buy gas. Use promo code CAR for an extra $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. You can cash out anytime right to your bank account, PayPal, or a gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download the free Upside app and use promo code CAR for a $0.25 cents a gallon bonus on your first tank. That's code CAR.